welcome to episode 144 of the Film Yak Podcast. I'm John. I'm Kevin. And JR will hopefully be joining us shortly. Apparently has family in or something, and it's causing him to be insanely late. Mm. Um, but anyway, uh, on this week's episode, incidentally, we're going to be talking about JR's pick, Out of the Past, from 1947. Oh my God in heaven. What? He joins as... As I'm doing the intro, <laughs> his ears must be burning. And I'm JR. Unbelievable. <laughs> perfect. Perfect. Now, if you'd have joined like 15 seconds earlier, you could have done that. And I'm JR. <laughs> that would have been so good. Anyways, we're talking about your pick, JR, out of the past, 1947, Jacques Turner, and uh, starring Robert Mitchum and Kirk Douglas, and. And Jane Greer. I hate that I I don't want to come off as like some kind of, you know, asshole who doesn't mention the female actors in these movies. Um, I realize that I do that sometimes. I'll just name like the big, you know, like the big male movie star at the top of the movie and not the female lead. But anyway, we're talking about Out of the Past as well as other things we watched. How's it going, JR? Sorry, we had a... Something of a, a crazy night, so I, uh, I apologize for being late. It's okay. And by crazy night, I mean crazy child. Uh, mm-hmm. I know what that's about. <laughs> oh, yeah, cause she's like, what, two now? So she's starting to, like, kind of... She is. She's talking and walking around and... Yeah. Yeah, I mean, she's, uh, she's two and a half and she's got a lot of opinions, and all of her opinions are garbage. Uh... <laughs> She wants to do things, and she does not want to listen. Mm. I prefer Coco Melon when it was just on YouTube. After it got on Netflix, it really went downhill. (laughs) (laughs) That's interesting. That's very interesting that her opinions are garbage. uh... I mean, her her opinion is that she wants to be the boss of everything, and she wants to be herself. Not not like her opinions on media. That's crazy that she... Is she? Are you? Are where does she get that from? You or your wife? I, I don't know. Neither of us. We're both the rule followers. Hard-headedness. Mm. Um, independent spirit. I think. I mean, Amelia has that too a little bit. But she's not. She's never like rude about it. I don't know. <laughs> she doesn't like tell us. You know, like I'm doing this by myself. Deal with it. You know, like. <laughs> in fact, she's also. She also like gets scared about a lot of shit too. Like we we went to the uh, trampoline park today, and she there's like a ball that's attached to a rope, you know, and it like swings across the ball the foam pit, and she was she wanted to try it, but she wouldn't try it unless I helped her get on the ball and like held the rope and everything. So, mm. you know, yeah. she's she's the best. Anyway, um, yeah. So uh, we have some trailers to talk about. Um, and just so the audience knows, I'm not ignoring Kevin. I just talked to Kevin for ten minutes before yeah. uh, Jr. joined. <laughs> <laughs> so I caught up with him already. So so sorry for our our, uh, our audience who has no idea what's going on with Kevin, <laughs> and never will. That's right. Um, we uh, <laughs> we uh, we're going to talk about this new Alexander Payne trailer, The Holdovers, a forgotten Richard Dreyfus classic. Jr. Yeah. <laughs> From 1977? I mean, 
Am I off base? Did this not no. feel like a? Uh, I mean, they were going for that, though, right? Were yeah. they going for that like nostalgic feel of like a hmm. classic comedy, um, yeah. dramedy holiday? It almost had like a uh, like a uh, what do you call it? Um, fuck, grindhouse trailer feeling to it. Oh yeah, it definitely had that seventies aesthetic. Yeah, yeah. But uh, I thought Alexander Payne was canceled, quite frankly, and I'm surprised that he's coming back with. I mean, it does seem like a, a notably smaller sort of film. Mm. I mean, couldn't that just be because his last movie was downsizing and everyone hated downsizing? And that yeah. was a big budget. Uh, I didn't realize he was canceled. I don't know what he's canceled for. Uh, I'll look that up right now. Go ahead. <laughs> Impropriety, but. Um, sure yeah, I, don't, I mean. It's like this trailer, yeah, had like a very specific vibe, and and like that's cool that they got there. Um, I have not liked this man's movies in a long time, so I don't I don't know mm. uh, if if I'll be uh, if I'll be there at the theater for this. Oh really? Um. So apparently Rose McGowan accused him of statutory rape and showing her softcore porn when she was fifteen. Mm. It's not great. He denied it's this, bad. of course. Um. So who knows? But, you know, I thought that would have been enough to get him to not be able to have a film again. But I don't know. I uh, that, you know, ignoring all that, this uh, movie, I think it looks uh, fairly promising. I am not a I liked downsizing. I think I'm the only person on the earth who did. But I enjoyed it. Uh, I remember enjoying it. I don't know how I feel about it now. Mm. Um, and uh, I, I mean, I think I've liked it's probably more like 50-50 of his other films. Like, Downsizing does feature like the greatest actress of our generation. Oh, yeah. Hon- 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 yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I've been seeing lots uh, of clips of her scenes on like Instagram and TikTok. I would say yeah. that, yeah. And Downsizing was like a, a fascinating like failure for me. Like I, It's it's trying to pull off something very weird and it, uh, it commits to its bit, uh, just didn't work for me, but like I thought Nebraska and, uh, the descendants before that were just like a waste of time. See, I really liked Nebraska. Also, I did. I hated the descendants. I remember hating it, but, uh, I don't know. I just looked and the only movies I've seen of his were, uh, election and about Schmidt. And I really don't remember a whole lot about either of those. You ever seen Sideways? No, I mean I remember wow. I remember it getting a lot of acclaim and attention, but I just never got around to it. I was a big fan of Sideways, man. I got in my first car accident on the way to Sideways. Gosh, yeah, my first time driving at night. Wow. It was my fault too. Anyway, sorry. Um, <laughs> damn, damn. <laughs> it's all good. I oh, you, I, you know who was you know who who hit me? It was my fault, but the guy who hit me. I, I should have yielded. I think I told I said this before. The guy who hit me was the art director for the Dukes of Hazard movie. Oh wow! Yeah, which was filming at the time in Bad. God Rouge. damn! Huh? It's pretty wild. He was very upset too. <laughs> I can imagine. <laughs> I mean, I didn't think it was. A, I mean, you know, I was, I was like, I should be upset. It's my, I'm, it's my car. I just got this car. Your car's a rental, dude. <laughs> you know? Like, yeah, yeah. What do you care? 
It's a lot of yeah. it's a lot of paperwork. Yeah, probably. Mm. Anyway, sure, okay. Um, so yeah, the holdovers. We'll see. Uh, next film we should talk about. A lot of trailers this week, guys. The creator from Gareth Edwards, who directed Rogue One and Godzilla. Yeah. Mm. And uh, didn't before that didn't he do like an action movie of some sort? I thought it was called Monster or Monsters. I... Is it though? I could have sworn he did like a like a a, a martial arts sort of thing. Uh, Am I the confusing guy, with something? Yeah, Somebody? the guy who did um, the Asia, the the apartment building Asian movie. Um, yes, the raid. The raid. He has a similar name. Oh, okay. I yeah, might do the raid as a similar. There name. you go. I'm confusing. No, this guy wrote. This guy did the raid. What? Gareth no Evans. The raid. Gareth Evans. Oh, Edwards. Edwards. He's <laughs> right. Holy shit. <laughs> Gareth Evans did the raid. Gareth Edwards directed the creator. Okay, sorry. Yeah. You were right. very confusing. We just got confused in the moment. So they looked yeah. up the name Gareth, which is insane. Mm. Both their names start with an E, their last names. Uh, anyways, Gareth Edwards, mm. uh, who I, w- I guess is sort of a more uh, heavy hitter at this point, being that he directed a Star Wars film. Um, uh, I don't know if I'd go that far. I mean, he directed uh, two bl- huge blockbusters. I don't think uh, Gareth Evans has directed any blockbusters. Yeah, but I mean, he was uh, notably, you know, replaced when it was time to make another Godzilla movie. Um, mm. And I don't think he's done anything since Rogue One. At least not. Uh, he hasn't done a feature since Rogue One. Well, this one looks. Uh, uh, I don't know, like uh, pretty, I guess. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it stars John David Washington as a futuristic soldier who has to fight AI robots and protect the AI robot child against the, <laughs> yeah. you know, the, the humans and the AI. It it's, looks like, like. it's kind of your typical, like, you know, Terminator plus post-apocalyptic, you know, Terminator Salvation meets yeah. Terminator 2. Yeah, and I'm like I thought this was this was gonna you know it's like chappy only without you know with steady cam instead mm, of handheld right and there's a little bit of like a there's a little bit of like Alita Battle Angel and the yeah like the sure. the AI robot human faces and stuff sure yeah um, I mean the tech looks pretty good the CG looks pretty seamless like a like a chappy like a uh, film by that filmmaker pretty good CG. Uh, in the trailer, at least. Uh, John David Washington, I'm not, I'll tell you what. I am not sold on this guy as an action person, but Tenet Thank didn't you. do it for me. But uh, mm. uh, Yeah, t- Tenet... Uh, you can ask. And, and you guys, I assume, did not see Beckett a couple years ago, which was... Did not see Beckett, no. Another uh, action... Netflix thing, right? Yeah. Mm. Um. Looks like some like the wrong man type stuff, but uh, mm. action heavy. Didn't see that. Didn't hear any any good things. Uh, and uh, you know, it's like a lot of these movies that he's in that don't work. It's like it's not because of him. No, so. I agree. Mm. I agree. I didn't. I just, you know, I don't know. We'll see. I I also don't like like Alice and Janney being in the cast doesn't help uh-huh. things for me. Yeah. Um, what about Sergio? Yeah, Sturgill Simpson. I don't know. Is he an actor now? I don't know. <laughs> I don't he's know. having. He's gonna have a high-profile fall. 
Yeah. What was he in? What else is he in? He's in the uh, Killers of the Flower Moon. Oh, that's right. That's right. Is oh, he doing hey. the soundtrack to that though? I don't know. I mean, he's definitely he's that's in a, the cast list. As that's well. a little different if he's mm. doing the music for it because it's like Jack White and Cold Mountain or something. You know, it's like I don't have yeah. a problem with that. Although Jack and, White is the worst actor in Cold Mountain, but <laughs> I don't know if he's in it like physically in it but like he's mentioned a lot in the dead don't die and he did the like oh. theme song for it he's so in that he so has like at least like a cameo or something yeah he's probably a zombie or something you know? anyways i find the uh design of the ai robots disturbing that you can see through their head i don't like that mm. um <laughs> i get it like as a you know Whoa, it's so crazy. It's the future. But <laughs> yeah. it's like it's not pleasant to look at. Yeah, I wonder why that would be useful to the AI. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Well, I guess we'll find out. Yeah. Um uh, he is he's plays the guitar zombie in the Dead Don't Die. Got it. Got it. He does. Yeah. He's also in the hunt as Vanilla Nice. Oh. Yeah, I think a lot of the like Cannon fodder in the hunt is a uh, like cult cult famous people. Maybe I might be misremembering that too. It's definitely a uh, like a always sunny guy. A couple su- sunny guys in there. Yeah, mm-hmm. he's in. Uh, yeah, the uh, the main Dennis from It's Always Sunny apparently is in it. Anyway, I don't want to get back uh, uh, bogged down in that. We're gonna also talk. Let's see, we've got two more trailers to talk about quickly. Paul King's Wonka is coming, the uh, prequel to Willy Wonka that no one asked for, and starring Timothy Chalamet in the mm. role that will sour me on him for at least a year. Uh, <laughs> no way, dude. Uh, that seems to be the consensus on the internet. Nobody asked for this. Yeah. <laughs> Which is fair. I mean, I don't... Yeah. Th- like, it doesn't look like a god-awful movie. It just looks like a kid's movie. Looks like a colorful kids movie, and on that front, it looks fine. It doesn't look like Chalamet's Wonka doesn't resemble, you know, the Wonka that we that we know, Gene Wilder's Wonka, because uh, he's you know or an optimist, mm. uh, and he is you know a sour, hateful man. Um, but, well, he hasn't gotten that whatever. way yet, you know. He'll he'll be yeah. out that that person uh, by the end of the film. Spoiler. Well, yeah. Well, it, in this this trailer kind of you know blows blows its load a little early. You know, like we see all the successes that we and like the flying candy and stuff. It's just like okay, so now we have the origin for these things in the other movie, and you know we see in the trailer the first Oompa Loompa he meets, I, mm-hmm. which is played by Hugh Grant, a cameo, I guess. Uh, mm. Because that's just what Hugh Grant does now. Uh, Hugh Grant really loves appearing in in roles for this uh, Paddington director. Um, Is that so right? whatever. He's in Paddington. Never too. seen Paddington, so I don't know. Yeah. I oh, wish Padding- Paul- the Paddington movies are pretty good. Yeah. I wish Paul King would like return to his roots because he was the director for the Mighty Boosh, and like I would love to see him, you know, really do some very you know, s- surreal, creative type stuff like that again. Mm. All right. Well, uh, I mean, I'm 100% out on it, but, you know, we'll see. I do like Chalamet, but actually I was I was thinking, um, what movie did I watch? I watched some movie and I, I realized, oh, that's what it was. I watched a movie called The Channel from this year. 
which mm. stars uh, the guy we like, Jr. from Killing of Two Lovers. What's that guy's name? Uh, it starts with an M. It's a weird name. Um, yeah. Fuck. I, I want to say Merle Haggard, but that's a different. Guy. It's not <laughs> definitely not Merle Haggard. I'm pretty sure. Is he dead? Clean Crawford. Yes. He is dead, and that, there's no M in that name. No, Clayne Crawford. Uh, w is an upside down M. Clayne Crawford is uh, is the star of this movie, which is why I watched it because I was like, oh, Clayne, I like that Clayne Crawford guy. This is the reason that you don't follow actors; you follow filmmakers. You know what I mean? Because like, this is a horrible film, and Clayne Crawford's not even good in it. <laughs> and it's like, oh, you know, it's like so. It's like I don't, I wouldn't watch Wonka just because Timmy Chalamet is in it. Because uh. I follow filmmakers, not actors. <laughs> What? I don't even know what movie you're talking about. I saw you log this. It was like, why is he like making an effort to see this VOD trash? It's a movie called The Channel, Jr. Oh, I, the channel. I, Sorry. I watched it because, like, again, just I saw the trailer. It looked like a, you know, sort of like a, a you know, cheap heat ripoff sort of thing. Mm. And uh, I was like, you know, it could be entertaining. It's ninety minutes. Who gives a fuck, you know? And it, it wasn't like the worst movie I've ever seen. It had like some like fun dialogue here and there, but. And the act, the action was pretty god awful, and the acting was horrible. So, and uh, anyways, so yeah, I won't be seeing Wonka for those reasons. Mm-hmm. I'm out. Um, lastly, I know Jr. We I didn't mention this in the text, but I fully forgot we we didn't talk about Napoleon. So I'm assuming you watched the Napoleon trailer, right? I did. I was wondering if your other one would be the Corner Office or something. Oh, oh the one with John Hamm, right? Yeah. No, I definitely am not gonna talk about that didn't even watch that trailer um napoleon is the newest ridley scott epic uh coming to the big screen and apple tv later this year starring joaquin phoenix as the man napoleon bonaparte Mm. um you know just in his prime taking over europe crowning himself emperor also starting vanessa kirby <clears throat> well, I'm sure we'll talk about later, Jr. and uh, and uh, some other people I've never heard of. So, yeah, what you guys think about this uh, Napoleon? I think it could be good. I mean, I really enjoyed the last duel, so this seems in the same vein. Yeah. Um, and yeah, like I'm, I'm sure we'll talk, we'll talk more about uh, Joaquin Phoenix a little later on. But uh, I mean. He's reliable. Good, good, uh, good word to describe Phoenix. Yeah, I, uh, I really enjoyed the commitment to you know, like the style, like the natural lighting style. Mm-hmm. Uh, like in the interiors at night, they're all like candlelit or firelit, uh, and the battles all it battles at like dusk and dawn look gray. I don't, it just, I thought it looked pretty. I'm excited for that, and that also reminded me of the last duel. And if it reminds you of the last duel, I'm I'm happy. At least Fuck in trailer. Yeah. Mm. Okay, um, so just you know, Napoleon looks great. I agree, and uh, I think I'm really excited about the Egyptian shit. I think it looks really cool when he's like riding around on the horse in the desert, and they're <laughs> shooting shooting at the pyramids and shit like that. <laughs> that is cool. Jonathan actually said to me that he had heard that the reason the Sphinx doesn't have a nose is because Napoleon shot it off with a cannon. Is that true? I don't think that's true. 
I feel like that's like pretty. That would be like a huge fact that everyone would know, right? I could have looked it up. I just didn't. But I mean, like, I, I feel like I feel like that's probably not true because when Napoleon was around, you know, things were a lot better documented. Um, so I think it's it's probably more like just erosion because like. It says that um, it's a popular myth, but there are uh, sources that predate the birth of Napoleon that that uh, contradict it. So it apparently okay. did not happen, right? Okay. Yeah, because like I don't I don't know so much about the Sphinx, but like the pyramids are like like super super old. Like sure, you know, well, I'm sure the Sphinx is equally old or, or somewhat near near that, right? I mean, thousands and thousands of years old. I suppose so. But, so, yeah, like, easily, you know, like, if it's, uh, you know, wind and sand, you know, erosion. Right. Probably did a number on the nose, and... It opens at 8 a.m. tomorrow. Sorry. <laughs> um, can't get a accurate... It says around 4,500 years old, the Sphinx. Okay. Yeah. Um, that's pretty, yeah. that's pretty probably, fucking old. Okay. Probably, yeah. probably erosion. Anyway, uh, yeah. Napoleon looks cool, man. I'm in. Yes, indeed. Oh, uh, okay. So there are no more trailers to talk about with all of us, but I will. I just real quick because I'm going to forget to talk about it next time. Um, when I saw Oppenheimer, they showed a trailer for the new Exorcist film that is still not online, believe it or not. Hmm. And it's directed by David David Gordon. Green. You knew this already? I had no idea he was doing extras movie. And it's like a it's the exact same it's, thing you did with Halloween. It's like uh Ellen uh, Burson's back and everything. Uh so yeah. I don't know. At, at, like I said David Gordon Green because it's just a running joke at this point, because like you know you like, got yeah, it? just bring him back to like redo some you know, horror franchise and Yeah, but he's only done it once. I mean <laughs> <laughs> like you did it with one well, and, but his like the way that he shoots films is like mm-hmm. he can make things cheaply and he is really efficient uh so he is very appealing mm. like as a you know as a gun for hire on or, or as someone to spearhead these horror remakes uh you know he tried to get a Suspiria remake off the ground forever uh mm. and it just kept falling through luca um, took care of that my brother yeah, yeah, and the, the David Gordon Green Suspiria would have been very different. Although when he was Not doing that, good. yeah, when he was trying to get that done, he was in a very different phase of his career. That was, um, like post. It was right around the time of Pineapple Express, but like he hadn't oh. fully committed his entire like life to to like cheap comedies yet. Um, yeah, he's just. Yeah, I, I wish we could do redo his uh, his career over again. He, uh, yeah, so like this new, it's called Exorcist the Believer or Believer. Um, and I don't know, the trailer, I was watching the trailer in the theater and it started, I was like, oh, this is like generic, like exorcism trash, you know, which they just made, may make, it feels like they make two or three different sort of exorcist movies a year, you know? Maybe mm. more, and uh, now with Blumhouse and everything, it's just like constant. And uh, then all of a sudden, you know, you start hearing the uh, tubular bells, 
you know, score. Oh. <laughs> and I was like, oh, <laughs> shit, it's an exorcist. And then uh, Ellen Burstyn shows up. I was like, oh, God. And she looks old as fuck, which I guess she is. And um, yeah, they start showing, like, you know, clips from the old movie and stuff. And then the first movie, that is. And then, uh, yeah, it's David Gordon Green at the end. I couldn't believe it. So, I don't know. I'm, I wasn't looking forward to it until I saw David Gordon Green's name was hatched. So, you know, <laughs> I actually, because I like the uh, two, the last two Halloween movies that he did. I didn't like the first one, but mm. I need to rewatch it. Who knows? Um, anyway, give me a reason to rewatch the uh, Exorcist movie. That's for sure. Mm. Which I definitely need. Oh, he's planning a trill. He's planning a trilogy that ignores existing sequels. If that sounds familiar to you guys, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Direct sequel to the original. Uh, um, of course he is. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, that's our trailer talk. Let's get into what we watched. Who wants to begin? Uh, you should begin. You got the headline. The headline view here, dude. Oh, what's my headline view? Oppenheimer? Yeah, you just went to see fucking Oppenheimer. We don't we don't save that for the middle. Okay, so, yeah. I'll talk about Oppenheimer. Um, Oppenheimer is the best looking film of the year, and I'll say that without having seen the rest of the films this year, there's nothing that will look as good as this. Notably, um, you have not seen Barbie yet. Okay, that's true. I've not seen Barbie, the digitally shot Barbie. No, I don't know. It could be a shot on film. I don't know. Um, I doubt it, but yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, cinematography by uh, Nolan Staple Hoyt Van Hoytema since I think Interstellar, maybe before that. Um, and uh, it's a very um, fast movie. Like it's crazy how fast paced it is. It's you're you're gonna have uh, you're gonna have uh, uh, the. the what do you call it? Flavor of uh, Oliver Stone here, okay? JFK, it plays a lot like JFK. It's very, wow. very quick. It's super montage It's like watching Spring Breakers, but a three-hour version. It's just like, like there almost aren't scenes. It's just like nonstop montage. Jeez. Which isn't you, a... It's for not three a hours? Thing. It's not a horrible thing because it makes it go yeah. by quickly. Yeah, it is three hours long. <laughs> you you have sold this in like the worst way possible. Hey, I'm telling you what it is. I'm not I'm not saying I'm not saying I mean it's not I mean, you know, I love JFK. I like how fast it moves. I like the breakneck speed of that. And Oppenheimer, I think that if it wasn't I think the 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 sort of criticism that you could lob at it is that it doesn't need to be three hours, especially because it's edited this way. Um but, and I do think that there are like structural issues with like sort of the way the plot works, um, like where they choose to end things. The entire third act of the film is sort of uh, feels like it's in the wrong place, <laughs> and the movie is definitely like told out of order. So it's like there's no reason to like have it there. You could have it earlier in the film or something, or maybe concurrently with other things going on. Uh, and and it, it and it does have uh, these moments of Christopher Nolan corniness, uh, his bad writing, you know, his cliche biopic shit that he he has to throw in there because he doesn't quite know what he's doing when he's writing a film of this, what what he wants it to be, this caliber of film. And um, but God, 
it just looks so fucking good, and the acting is great. Like everybody in it is just killer. Uh, especially, and I hate to say it, I think the male actors are doing. I mean, there are there are only two big female parts. The big female parts. Hey, this is are, a recurring issue. Hey, it's not. I'm not saying they're bad. I like Emily Blunt. I like Florence Pugh. I really like Florence Pugh. Uh, I would say they don't have a ton to do in it, which is maybe. I mean, so that that is a know. historical historic uh, issue with Nolan movies. Sure, right? he has the the beleaguered uh, wife or the dead wife. Yeah. Well, this film might have both. I don't want to. Uh, <laughs> I don't want to uh, spoil anything. If you read Oppenheimer's Wikipedia page, you know what's going down with his ladies in his life, and um, I will say they're just not they're not fleshed out super well, and they he doesn't give them a lot of time to. Um, the audience to maybe like understand what's going on with them beyond like the sort of uh you know like hot like you just see okay she's crazy that the craziness oh she's drinking out of a flask she must be an alcoholic that kind of thing you know it's important that you know she's there and that she's hot that she's crazy (laughs) (laughs) but you know i think that they're both good in the film for the little bit that they sort of have to do uh, but they're obviously their performances are like way overshadowed by like Killian Murphy, who's very good in this, and Robert Downey Jr., who's I think he's really good until that third act, and then there's like a lot of stuff that happens in the third act where I'm like, I just wish they would have like I don't know written it differently, maybe or toned it down a little bit. Mm. But um, you know, and then you got like tons of fucking cameos, like Kenneth Branagh's in this fucking thing, and Dane DeHaan, and I saw I saw Robin Kenneth in a, in a trailer. Yeah, he's Niels Bohr. Uh, mm. <laughs> he's I mean, he's fine. He's only in like two, three, three. Seasons. I'll tell you the standout for me, and I mean, you know, Benny Safdie. Yeah, you're gonna say obviously it's Benny Safdie. But, well, tell, yeah. but I'm telling you, Benny Safdie is in this movie quite a bit, and he's he's killing it. He has to do a really weird accent, and he crushes it, dude. <laughs> it is really good. Wasn't there I like never a complaint about Benny Safdie being on my screen? Like yeah, he's, he's that guy is really good. I think the uh, next Safdie movie is uh, not being made by both brothers. Yeah, it's just uh, the other one. What's so, name? I don't know. Hey. The, the one who's not Benny, because I think Benny is... Uh, is it Joe? <laughs> is Benny... <laughs> Benny's, like, too hot. He, he, he's too yeah. hot. Josh Safdie is directing Josh. the other one. Oh, shit. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Josh he's, is like, I can't wait around for you to film all these stupid fucking movies. Well, yeah. apparently there was a cancel situation there, though, too. You know, in their in their uh, their production company, um, what's it called, Ilara or Ilara? Um, one of the guys who's a producer with them was accused of like statutory rape or something, and so they Jesus fired. They, they had to fire him and like distance themselves from him. So, but now they're distancing themselves from each other, or do I you don't think th- it's like almost like a, a contractual like thing. I think it's like what you're, where, I think it's mostly what you're saying that he's an in-demand actor at this point, or at least like a side mm, character actor, you know. Sort so of. crazy. Yeah, it is yeah. weird, but I mean, it makes total like if you watch Good Time, it makes sense. Like the guy yeah. fucking act like it's totally, you know, it makes a lot of sense. The guy is is obviously has talent, and uh, he's got a face on him for God's sake. I mean, he mm. he looks honestly, he looks totally different in everything I see him in. Like he doesn't look anything like he did in. Uh, that movie about the girl's period. Oh, the fuck. Margaret. Are you, are you there? God, it's me, Margaret. Yeah. yeah. He doesn't look anything like that in this movie. So mm. he's very, uh, I didn't I'm, realize 
he was born in 86. I thought the Septies were uh, younger than I am. But they are not. Well, they're mm-hmm. not cuz you're uh you're a young you're a young buck, bud. When were you born? 87? 88. 88. Jesus mm. Christ. <laughs> <Young> <laughs> buck. Um so yeah, best looking movie of the year. The bomb sequence is the sequence. That's all I'll say about it. It's amazing. Uh, the score is okay. Uh, Oliver Stone in his prime. Uh, <laughs> okay. So the only other thing, the only other thing I really need to say about this, and we can talk about it more whenever you guys see this movie. But uh, and I'm so it's crazy that Kevin rewatched The Master, and then Kevin <laughs> realized that it's Phil Seymour Hoffman's birthday today. I did not, which Isn't is insane. So anyway, cause I was going like, to post about him all day and I was like, that's weird. Cause I just rewatched the master because Kevin rewatched the master. Anyway, yeah, yeah. um, this movie, there's no way Nolan, this, that he wasn't watching the master the whole time he was making this movie. Cause mm. he, he stole the look, the entire cinema, cinematographic look of this film is the master. This like, slow speed films it's like deep rich colors mm. um you know the fact that it's shot on 70 obviously although that's something he's like been doing a lot lately but i mean he's do- he's only doing it now because pta set the fucking groundwork yeah know? 10 and years ago exactly and pta set the groundwork because brenna set the fucking groundwork 10 years before that <laughs> anyway um and yeah. also there are literally like scenes in this movie that are ex- like paying homage to certain scenes in the master. Mm. And uh, I'm really glad you rewatched it. Cause I, I was like, it forced me to rewatch it. And I was like, Oh man, I've been meaning <laughs> to rewatch this and this is great. Now I can compare it directly. Mm. Well, Oppenheimer's still fresh. And I was right. It's, I wouldn't say it's lifting, but it's definitely like, it's probably ob- Huh? <laughs> I said it probably is. It's, de- well, it's definitely I'm obvious. Like it's definitely kidding. like, it's definitely yeah. Nolan is like, I'm surprised he hasn't talked about the master because there's no way it's mm. not happening. Like he's, he has to be aware of it. It's that glaring. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, John, yeah. I want to run this by you. Um, I saw, a, I saw a thing that, uh, apparently Nolan asked, um, Killian Murphy and Robert Downey Jr. to watch Amadeus because yeah. he was comparing like their, right. Their characters, deal with um Salieri and Mozart in the film. Yeah. Yay or nay? Like yay did that happen or do I see that? Like do, do you do you get that from Yeah, there's there's elements of that. There's like a uh I mean I don't want to spoil what happens in the film. There's like a friendly yeah. sort of there's a friendship that maybe like sours over time. Right, right. And so it's sort of like the opposite because I feel like in that in Amadeus they start off as enemies and sort of become friends. Mm. But it's the opposite in this. It's like they're sort of friends and become enemies. But um but yeah. Anyway, uh okay. so Yeah, Oppenheimer. Uh great great picture. Not as good as Dunkirk, has too many problems, is too long. Um but definitely worth your time. Definitely easily the best film, of the best looking film of the year. Should win the cinematography Oscar, assuming Dune Two doesn't come out this year. Looking like mm. oops, sorry. so. If Dune Two comes out this year, sorry, this is uh, not really Oppenheimer. If Ooh. Dune Two comes out this year, um, will Wonka still ruin Chalamet, or Mm-mm. will Chalamet be riding on the Dune wave, the Sandworm, 
So it doesn't matter. <laughs> the sandworm. It depends on how good he is in Dune. I mean, Dune 2 could be a stinker, for all I know. I mean... Chances okay. are it won't be, but like... Yeah, I guess I'm, I'm giving it the benefit of the doubt, especially also, since I liked him as Paul Atreides in the first one. I mm. did, too. I liked the first Dune. I liked it even more on every rewatch I give it. I like it a little bit more, but that doesn't mean that he can't totally shit the bed on the second one, you know? Yeah, I mean... It's happened before. Jedi is the worst Star Wars of the original three, and it's the last one, so... What are you going to do? I don't know. It's, I mean, he is right. Feels like a weird comparison. I mean, yeah, that's right. But that's a weird comparison. Weird. I, don't, I don't know. Uh, I didn't like Mark Hamill wasn't worse in that than the other ones. Mark Hamill was bad in all of them. No, but if the movie's bad, it's gonna. I mean, it doesn't help me. Okay. You know, looking at the actor, like I'm not. You know, if the movie, if the movie's a piece of shit, if I watch a uh, 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 Breakfast on Pluto. It doesn't make me like Killian Murphy. You understand what I'm saying? It makes me sort of dislike him because he was in the terrible movie. Was that movie terrible? I remember it being god awful, but I didn't see it. I don't don't remember it. It's been 20 years. I saw it in the theater. Uh, Yeah, I think it came out in 2005. Uh, Yeah. I remember remember that being in like the period where like 2004 to 2006 was like Killian Murphy is going to be like the biggest and best actor in the world. Uh, like, and, it, and it's, it's many just of us now happening. Yeah. 20, yeah, 20 years later, it was like, man, the the scarecrow is going to be a stepping stone and greater things. <laughs> the greatest. Uh, oh, that's so good. And then all he did was just play the scarecrow again in the subsequent Batman movies. Yeah. And did Peaky Blinders for ten for years? A cameo. Yeah, which I mean gave him some. I, that show is very popular. I've never sure. seen it, but mm. I understand that uh, people like him in it. He was apparently in uh, like a Quiet Place too. So mm. I mean, yeah, he's been some like some other films. I, well, I he's, never... he's been working. He's he's been yeah. doing just fine. I just mean he's in bigger like big movies, like not just small mm. stuff, you know. Like, but I guess he's not the star of these movies. Like he was in, no. uh, in the Heart of the Sea and Free Fire and Transcendence, but I guess he's not the star of these pictures. So. Mm. Doesn't count. Yeah. In fact, out of his top eight movies on Letterbox, he's only the star of two of them. So, mm. whatever. You think he's going to win Best Actor? Uh, no, I don't necessarily think he'll win, but I, I think, I mean, he'll probably be nominated. But honestly, like <laughs> I gotta tell you, I mean, we'll get to it, but my rewatch of The Master has soured me on the Oscars. <laughs> like it's, it's gross. The things that the yeah. master was not nominated for. <laughs> mm. it, is, it is absolutely disgusting. So <laughs> anyway, uh, yeah, so that's Oppenheimer. I enjoyed it quite a bit. It honestly, it could go down on a rewatch. It could go up on a rewatch. I'm not really sure, but and by the way, we are talking today, um, on Sunday night, the like Oppenheimer has like, doubled its box office expectations for the weekend. It made like 80 million. This movie is going like, it is already a hit. Um, And that is one thing that makes it very different from the master because the master was, uh, was not a commercial success. It didn't have a commercial presence. And uh, yeah, like that was still in a time where the Oscars weren't looking your way at all. If you didn't register with a significant audience, I mean, to be fair, they it got nominated for three acting Oscars, but yeah. I, I'm just I'm just saying that like, I'm, I, I, that that's that's the reason though. It's like 
if the Oscars become like no one saw it. if the Oscars become the Grammys and they're giving out awards based on ticket sales, no. then I'm not interested. You know, the I mean? Oscars like, the Oscars have always been the Grammys until very recently. Mm. Like Moonlight winning Best Picture was insane. No movie, no movie like that size had ever won Best Picture. Very few movies had ever been nominated that were that size, like with that budget. Um, sure. Moonlight was a big hit though. It's like that. It's like every, a lot of people saw Moonlight. Like, I, I, I don't know. It, it, like, it made like $30 million worldwide. Like that's, I think by the time the Oscars happened, for, by the time the Oscar voting was happening, it was out on VOD. Not, no. Yeah, it was. Okay. So it's I mean, like it, it was like a cultural hit that people were aware of. Mm. It was not like a movie that made a lot of money. Okay, let me let me put it to you this way. Do you think that if The Master came out this year, it would be nominated for more Oscars? Yes. I disagree wholeheartedly. Because you still I think, think it's just like too weird? Yes. Or too... It, okay. No, that's... that. The, it, it, full stop. Okay. It's too challenging, not interested. I mean, they it's, want, like they it's, want, they it's want not things. good enough. The, the, no, no, no. They want, they want things that appear to be challenging and deep, like everything, everywhere, all at once, which really just like surface level action garbage, like action comedy garbage. But they want, but it seems like it's, well, it's so crazy and quirky. It's so hard to keep track of, like Inception. Oh my God, Inception is so hard to understand. It's like, it's bullshit. It's like not hard at all. This is not something, like, I don't disagree with this. Right. I I, I do not disagree with this point. (laughs) Um, I, I think that they're, there is some space, especially with like the the ten uh, nominees now, for um, something that is actually more challenging. And like, there sure, there have been movies fair. I really like that have been nominated recently. And like Parasite one, loved Parasite. Mm. I'm not gonna call Parasite a challenging movie. Uh, it's challenging for old people because they have to read. But uh, yeah, like challenge like Parasite's like, I think it's really smart, but it's like a crowd pleaser uh, the way it plays out. Um, I mean, like, I think Nomadland is challenging in the sense that it's like uh, not very good and boring. And <laughs> to be to be to be clear, they had ten nominees during the Masters, also. So you're you're right. Was that the that was the second year they did that? I guess I don't know. The the year before was the Artist, and they had ten that during that year. So or yeah, maybe, I don't see one. So two. it was the year. It was that whatever year after the Dark Knight came out. They had nine that year. Oh, that's two thousand eight Dark Knight. Okay, yeah. so I guess they've had it since two thousand nine. Uh, well, ten since the Oscars would have been. Oh, no, two thousand nine would have been the year after the Dark Knight came out. Yeah, early oh nine. The, the Oscars, the Oscar year. So like two thousand nine is two thousand eight. Oh, Oscar I'm year. sorry. No, mm. yes, I agree. Yes, yes, okay. correct, correct. Sorry, we're down, we're down a rabbit hole. I'm sorry. No, it's okay. <laughs> Anyways, all I'm saying is that yeah, it's just like it's, it's like. The whole the idea of like the popularity contest doesn't interest me at all, you know. And it's like it would be great. It's just a stupid. It's a stupid thing to say or think, but it's like obviously you want the awards to be based on like what the best fucking thing is, uh, you know. And it's like what the best thing is is not objective, so it's hard to. Yeah. Mm. Um, but it's like what the best looking movie is is sort of objective, right? Nobody's gonna look at like you know a Marvel movie in comparison to Oppenheimer be like, I think the Marvel movie looks better. I mean, no. maybe like a grandfather might, because he's like, it looks clearer. I can see it. You know, like, <laughs> well, I mean, honestly, that's a, 
that's like an issue you wouldn't know because you don't watch Marvel <laughs> movies. You only watch uh, worse <laughs> superhero movies. But um, uh. but yeah, clarity is honestly like an issue with the uh, Marvel movies. Um, they're often underlit and whatever. Um, the I mean, they still get this wrong. Like the best looking movies often not even nominated. Uh, of course, in like nineteen seventeen. Uh, like I actually think that movie looks awful and I, I hate, I think parts of that movie look really bad because parts of that movie are trying so hard to like pull off its gimmick and you just like see the seams. Uh, and I think like, I think being able to see those seams should be held against it because it's stupid. Um, uh, didn't Sicario not win for cinematography? Was it nominated? It was, but it didn't win. Yeah, which that's insane. I mean, like, <laughs> it's like, I don't know. It's just, it, yeah, the Oscars I are bullshit. Villain, villain, Uves movies have had a pretty good um, track record of being nominated for uh, for cinematography. I think. Yeah, man. Mm. He knows. He knows what he's doing. <laughs> or his cinematographers know what they're doing. Sure. Well, he knows who to hire. Yeah, yeah it got nominated for three Oscars. Didn't win anything. Got nominated mm. for the score, which is probably the best score of 2015. The cinematography, which is definitely the best cinematography of 2015, and sound editing, which I don't have an opinion on. But anyway, anyway, um, <laughs> who's next? We talked about Oppenheimer long enough. We haven't been talking about Oppenheimer for like the last ten minutes. Uh, <laughs> who wants to go next? Feel free. I'll go next. You know, Do for uh, so I've been continuing down the uh, Studio Ghibli. Root, um, watched like four, four of their movies. Most of them are just you know kind of meh, like they're not bad, but they're not necessarily great either. Um, thinking of like Ocean Waves and Whisper of the Heart, like these. God, like, you hate uh, this director. <laughs> Aren't those both Takahata? No. No? Neither okay. of those are. Oh, sure. <laughs> oh, JR. You want me to edit that out? That's <laughs> No, actually, the one by Takahata that I was going to get to was Pompoko. <laughs> okay. My apologies. Yeah. Uh, so, so anyway, yeah, uh, Pompoko, like I said in uh, my Letterboxd review, it's it's wild, man. It's like... Watership Down, Red Dawn, um, Fern Gully, and some other movie that I can't remember right now. If all um, of those movies had testicles. Yes. Big, massive... So, so it's about these uh, Japanese raccoon dogs, and they can shapeshift, and one of the things that they can do just you know, in general, is they can expand their ball sacks. Um, like, like you, you, first, you first see this when this elder is, like, teaching all these youngins what's going on, and, like, they think that they're standing on a rug. But actually, it's this dude's expanded testes. This is a, a Ghibli film? Yes. The children's film. This is fucking, this fucking I, leftists trying see, to brainwash is, our children. Yeah, for sure. 
See, this is like this is where the watership down comes in. Like you know, like yeah, they're they're run, they're it's animals running from uh you know encroachments on their land, and you know there's like violence involved and stuff. So yeah, like watership down in that aspect, but also like you know like people. Like, YA was not really a thing when Watership Down came out. So it was either, you know, kids' books or adults' books. Yeah. Now, Watership Down is not really a kids' book because there's, you know, there's violence and there's, you know, um, make, you know, invented uh, myths that, you know, detour from the main body of the story. Like, um, you know, a friend of mine described it as the Aeneid with rabbits. <laughs> so <laughs> that's fun. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, you know, water. Yeah, Watership Down is you know not for kids. Um, and yeah, it's it's the same with it's the same with Pompoko. I mean, I think you know there's an overall silliness to this movie, but then again. Like, there are definitely parts where it's like, oh, yeah, this is the same guy who made Grave of the Fireflies. Because, like, there's lots of, like, deaths, humans, and the, um, what are they called? Tanuki? Yeah, Tanuki. I'm reading about it right now. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So, yeah, and, like, you know, and some of it, it's like, you know, like, it's kind of linger lingers on these things to like kind of show the audience like yeah no you know we, we've been having a lot of fun up to up till this point but like there's serious things going on mm-hmm. um so yeah like you know just just the just the overall like wildness of this film like going back and forth between you know like there's romance subplots there's um you know the mysticism there's you know satire of um media there's you know the nature message there's 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 all sorts of things that are going on in this movie so um yeah like pompoko is one that i would definitely you know I wouldn't say you need to go out of your way to see it, but it would probably be worth your time. Did you and watch the English dub or the subtitles? Subtitles. Because the English dub refers to their testicles as raccoon pouches, according to Wikipedia. Yes. Of course. But in, this is probably in the, in the Disney uh, Studio Ghibli zone. Studio uh, yeah. Ghibli zone. Yeah, yeah. Is it Ghibli or Ghibli? Do we have I don't fucking know. I think, it's, I think it's Ghibli because it's G-H, but I could be wrong. Uh, let's see. No, I can't find the pronunciation on the Wikipedia page. Yeah, this is a uh, Pompoko is a movie I, I've seen a couple of times. Um, and I know that I like when I rewatched it, it was as like a movie where like I was like I had very fond memories of it and wanted it to be really good. And I do think it's good. Um, but I'm a little less high on it just because. It's like you really feel the two hours. Uh, yes, with the, the nature, so. like of stru- kind of episodic structure, and just it is overstuffed with things. You really feel that two hours, and uh, I do think yeah. it, by the end of it, it, it kind of feels not like, not like a chore. Chore is too harsh because uh, it's still enjoyable, but um, yeah, because like that that seems to be it seems to be kind of a thing with like um, 
West, uh, Eastern uh, literatures, like, you know, like these novels very typically are like multiple volumes. Um, same with the, uh, the manga, you know, it's like, there's like, in just, you know, the stories are just kind of endless and, you know, lots of characters involved. And yes, you're right. You do, you do feel that because there's a lot of characters that come and go and, you know, you have to be kind of paying decent attention throughout to not get confused on who's going where and what they're doing. And, um, but yeah, um, and yeah, like there's definitely like it, in the um Japanese like they're like there's even songs about like you know a brave raccoon swings his balls you know stuff like that Jesus <laughs> Christ dude yeah so it's yeah like I can't do it won't do it hey apparently ghibli you're right it is ghibli hard g it's okay. supposed to, it's uh it says um the italian it's a, based on an italian word for some kind of aircraft and it ah. would be transcribed as in Japanese as giburi Giburi, ah. Giburi. Yeah, so, anyway. it's, uh, it's a common when they borrow words like beer is biru. It's kind of like yeah. add add that uh that syllable at the end. Yeah, like JR's reminding us he's been to Japan before. I've been twice, bitches. <laughs> Ooh. What an asshole. Anyway, <laughs> JR, what you got, bud? Uh, very little. Oh boy. <laughs> Very little. Uh, it's like I've watched nine episodes of The Bear, but I can't talk about it because I haven't finished the season yet, like the second season. Thanks. I watched, uh, you know, that Project, season Project of. Greenlight? No, I don't watch fucking Project Greenlight. Jesus. You should have watched it. We could talk about it. I watched the whole no, thing. Dude, <laughs> I watched, uh, I, I slammed through um, the Irma Vep remake series. Hmm. Olivier Assayas's, uh remake of his own movie in eight episodes. That's pretty good. Not a ton to talk about though. Um, I watched a movie called uh, Suzumi, which mm. I was actually, I think I was asking Kevin about that uh, last time off, off yeah. air. And um, this is a, uh, this is from kind of like hot, hot anime director, Makoto Shinkai, who did uh, your name and, um, that was like his big one mm. uh, several years ago. And before that he did like five centimeters per second and voices of a different star. And these, uh, all these animes that are very emotional, like they are designed to make you like feel and cry by the end. Um, and most of them use very like light sci-fi, uh, premises, and uh and like voice of a distant star and five centimeters per second like focus on like time and distance in a way that's like very emotional and if you're 20 years old or 15 years old you're going to be like this is the most brilliant thing i've ever seen um which is basically how i felt when i saw those movies um by the time we get to your name i'm like a little bit sick of the uh of the shtick that he's got uh but also his, his movies look they're they're gorgeous uh, Suzume sounds interesting to me because it is much more like uh, fantastical and you know sci-fi fantasy same same kind of zone right but like this is is very much like magic stuff that is happening um, 
and it is about a girl who like discovers these uh, doors that she like can't quite go through, but she like opens these doors and sees like this like starry land that looks very enticing. Uh, but out of these doors comes like this entity that can uh, seems to be like hurting Japan, like causing earthquakes uh, entity, not like mission impossible, which we'll get to later. Um, what John's making a face. It's called, um, it's called the entity, John. No, sorry. It's all good. Uh, <laughs> what are we doing? Anyway. <laughs> Suzumi still? I just started like go ahead. minutes ago, dude. Sorry. <laughs> sorry. I, thought um, I, was, I was reading something. I'm sorry. I got but no, it's uh so yeah, and like and then we've got a guy who shows up, he knows about the doors, he like his goal is to shut them and lock them and um they end up on this this journey to shut and lock these doors to prevent uh this entity from causing natural disasters all over Japan. And um this movie definitely has way too much going on, but it eventually kind of comes together to deliver this, uh, you know, patented Makoto Shinkai uh, emotional punch. And I do think it ends up being effective by the end. And, um, you know, mentioning like earthquakes and stuff. This is very, without ever naming it, it is definitely like using the tragedy of like the 2011 tsunamis uh, that, rock japan as a as a backbone for the story and it like never does so in a way that feels exploitative or over obvious it uh and i thought that the way that it used those was was very just very smart and uh yeah beautiful animation um the guy that shows up like hot anime guy uh basically two seconds after he shows up uh he gets transformed into a small wooden chair that only has three legs and gets stuck that way for almost the entire movie. And that was uh, a bizarre choice. Uh, Cause you know, it's like, aren't you selling this on hot anime guy? That's what all of my eighth grade students care about. Hot anime guy. <laughs> all right. Back to reality. Um, <laughs> so sorry. Sick a- anime so corner. Sick of hearing anime, about anime. <laughs> anime corner is done. Okay. Um, I watched, uh, so since, uh, JR, you know, picked out of the past, never seen a Jacques Turner film. So, uh, chose my first one because it was short and debatably a Western. I'll say, mm-hmm. I don't know if it is JR. We'll have to, uh, discuss, but way of a gaucho is a film from 1952, uh, starring Rory Calhoun as a gaucho. Who is a uh, like a like a Argentinian cowboy? I would say um, mm. who uh, gets into a knife fight with a man on a matter of honor at a wedding or something like that. <laughs> so we got a party, kills him, and then goes to jail, and then gets uh, recruited into um, the army by Richard Boone, who is the just excellent as the major in command of his unit who's a real asshole, but just <laughs> plays it. So he honestly, it reminded me of Gene Hackman in, uh, unforgiven. This mm. character who is like, he's the bad guy, but you also like, you understand his motivation and you don't necessarily, you can't necessarily argue with where he's coming from, you know? 
like Richard Boone's not evil in this movie. He's just like he's like the leader of a platoon and he's got to get shit done and he's so good in it. Anyway, uh yeah, and then and anyway, our lead character ends up uh going AWOL and becomes a bandit leader. <laughs> and uh yeah, just, you know, riding on the pompous as they say, which is the uh I don't know, the Argentinian fields or something. I don't know. Mm. But uh yeah, I thought it was lovely. It's uh, extremely beautiful looking to look at, like a really well-shot movie. Like I was not expecting it to be so good looking. And uh there's just like amazing compositional shots in this. Just really incredible stuff like at one point Rory Calhoun's character uh he's he's uh not capture. What do you say? He's rescued Jean Tierney's character, and uh, she. But you know, she's afraid of him. You know, and then because uh, he's a wall, and then she like wakes up, and he's just like standing on his horse, like on his on the saddle of his horse, staring across the the pompous. And I guess he's trying to like get elevated so he can see, you know, more. But it's just an incredible shot. It's so weird and amazing, and um, there's a lot of really cool stuff like that in it. And uh, some solid like action towards the end. There's a uh, the stampede that happens, and a character is trampled in the stampede, and they use rotoscoping to rotoscope the character being trampled, and it like looks just really cool. It, it honestly almost looks real at points. It was really really interesting. Wow. And uh, yeah, I just really enjoyed Way of the Gaucho. It was a great start uh, for me for Jock Turner. And uh, the score was good. Uh, yeah. Oh, there's a, there's a there's a part where Richard Boone says something like, "I I want my uh, soldiers to obey my words like they would the word of God," which is like in Full Metal Jacket, the Colonel says that to um, mm. to Joker when they're in country. So I don't know if that's like a lift from this. I can't remember if it was in the book or not. Um, oh, there is narration in it, which is not necessary and gross, but it's like to set up like cultural aspects of the film because they, you know, they're like, oh, this is American audiences won't understand what's happening, you know, <laughs> but, <it's> like, <laughs> but you know, it's not complicated. Um, and there's like a lot of like casual sexism, but I feel like that's running through sort of almost all the Turner films I watched. So, <laughs> um, they're, uh, you know, they're yeah. old. They're from that time, you know? Yeah, I mean... But anyway. Yeah, and that's, you know, I guess we could talk about how the, the femme fatale trope is probably inherently misogynistic. I um, think that's that's fair, but at least at least a femme fatale is, has agency and is doing something on her own. It's like, yeah. she has a goal that is selfish, maybe, or self-serving. Whereas, like, Gene Tierney in this has like nothing. Like she's right. just like a damsel in distress, essentially. Mm. Uh, so and she immediately um, falls in love with him, you know. And oh, I love you. And it's the same thing with um, Nightfall. Like the the woman in Nightfall, who's played by Anne Bancroft, also same thing. Mm. Immediately falls in love with this guy. Makes no sense, <laughs> but <laughs> you know. But Nightfall rocks. So <laughs> can't uh, can't. Anyways, is Way of the Gaucho Western, Jr.? Uh, I guess I'm confused. What like are you asking because it's set in Argentina? Are you asking because like our um, protagonist becomes a bandit, and that's 
like not right for a western? I'm asking because a western is quintessentially American. Westerns are invented in America. Westerns are about western cowboys in the western United States. So, so like, yeah, it's good to be the ugly not a western because it's in Mexico. No, because Mexico, I feel like, okay, The Good and Bad Ugly is about character. The main character is an American. I mean, it's about, you know, it's in, uh, you know, he's like, he's. Well, aren't these guys aren't American? No. He's Argentinian. Everybody in this movie is Argentinian. Yeah. Or supposed to be. I mean, they're all American actors, but. Well, it's like the. Like the I don't know. You know, he's a. This, this kind of thing was like a. This was definitely like a subplot of 40s and 50s westerns, the mm. Argentinian set. Gaucho films. Yeah. Um, there's, you know, a large handful of them. It's a smart move because I it's guess, a beautiful country. Yeah. And, like, they st- they have the horse and gun thing going on yeah. down there. So, you know, I don't know. Uh, look, if if you want to have your, your very dogmatic definition of Western, I'm, I'm fine with it. I, do you find it to be dogmatic? You're, yes. The fact that I wouldn't say, is No Country for Old Men a Western? No, don't be a dick. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> no, it, but no, you're right. Like uh, I've seen No Country for Old Men called a western, and that's stupid. Being set in the Southwest in the desert is not okay. So does it's that make period. you a western? It's time period related. Yeah, but this you don't. This is the right time. It's in the late 1800s. Sure. So like, okay, but so I no, I agree with that. That's that's what I mean. They're using six shooters for God's sakes and knives and horses and shit. And I mean, yeah, it's outdoor. He's a bandit, of course. Right. It's got a lot of like uh, Western tropes. And honestly, the kind of bandit he is and the the through line of the story of him being like, I have to do my own thing. You know, I have to be a gaucho, which is like uh, it's a tantamount to. You know, a cowboy in one of these pictures saying, I have to be a cowboy, I have to be independent, I have to do my own thing. Mm. Uh, it's very, very similar. But it's like, then I say, okay, if it's about the time period, there are movies that are set in the 1870s that have nothing to do with the cowboys or the Western. You know what I mean? It's just like, are those Westerns? No. No, of course, no. Is, like, Jeremiah, but, is Jeremiah Johnson a Western? I mean. <laughs> yeah, I struggle with that one. I do too. It's like a pioneer film. It's like if there's like a right. subset called pioneer films, it's like Meeks mm. cut off and that. Well, and, and, like, and like so that stupid Tom Cruise movie is it like Far and Away? Far and Away. That's but that's, like, that's a that's a pioneer yeah. movie. Oh, you're right. Oh, yeah, Western. Far and Away is a pioneer movie for sure. Mm. Um, that's set in during the Oklahoma, right? The Oklahoma. And, yeah, and I, I think that like there are probably examples where the pioneer movie overlaps with a western, sure, uh, because there are more guns and stuff involved, but. Mm-hmm. Jeremiah well, like, doesn't feel like that. If you look at, if you look into like, like, uh, like even like, um, Miller, not Miller, uh, fucking, uh, Miller's crossing. Jesus Christ. <laughs> um, McCabe and Mrs. Miller is sort of a pioneer film. It's about, it's about a pioneer town. You know what I mean? It's about mm. people looking yeah. for gold, and that sort of thing, you know, that, but it's definitely a Western. I mean, like, yes, I would not argue that that's not a Western at all. Yeah. It's all and about the, Maybe the greatest Western of all time. So it's hard to, you know, you know maybe Westerns are just like pornography. <laughs> okay. And, you know, it's like, it there are all these, uh... there, are all, no, there's, there are like all these things that, um, a Western has that can be in other movies that aren't Western, but it's like, it's hard to define, but you know it when you see it. I think, well, if that, I, that, you know what, that's not bad because I did put this on my list of Westerns I've seen. And I, f- I don't feel bad about it. I feel like it's a Western. 
I feel like it's what the guy's wearing mm. spurs on the on the poster. For God's sake, I mean I don't know. That's a western. <laughs> yeah, it feels like a western. Yeah. No. So. Anyway, that's it for Way of the Gaucho. Sorry. <laughs> Kevin. Okay, so, um, so I finally got around to watching Bo is Afraid, the new Ari Aster film, and I did not like it. I mean, it looks good, it's well acted, but to me, it's to me, it's the same problem that I had with uh, Mother. Like it's just. Sorry, I, I was thinking it. I know. <laughs> yeah, I, it's just intensity after intensity after intensity, and you know, it's, like it's intense intensities. Yeah. <laughs> But yeah, I mean, but to me, it's like, okay, like, it's all this stuff is going on over the course of three hours, mm-hmm. and you know, it's like, why, why does it have, why does it have to be this extreme, and like, why, and like certain certain things were just, you know, absolutely ridiculous. Mm. Um, like thinking specifically of Denis Menache, like just tripping and having the machine gun in his hand and turn on him, and he's you know bouncing around as spoiler, he shoots. Spoiler, spoiler. <laughs> well, I mean it's it's not a ma- it's not a major one. Um, no, but you know, no, but um, yeah, I'm, I'm not going to talk about like you know. All, all the stuff that happens at the end, but um, but yeah, it's just it's it's just all of this to get to where it's going, which you know, like again, like same same with um, Hereditary and Midsummer. It's like okay, yeah, like you're doing a Rosemary's Baby thing, and now and now you're doing uh, the Wicker Man, and this one is like. Okay, like we we get it that you you know you're dealing with this. I don't want to don't want to don't want to give it away because Jr. still has not seen it. This guy, <laughs> this guy, busy, busy guy. Right? Fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> but um, but yeah, like I liked Hereditary a lot. It's fucking great. <laughs> but like Ari Aster is just not doing it for me, man. Like uh. Um, how'd you feel about, um, Patty Lapone? I thought she was really, you know, she was good for what, she, what was called for. Um, yeah. I thought she was so good in it. I thought she was great. Yeah. I, I think she, and I Parker think she was Posey, really good both, too. Yeah. Great. Parker Posey's always great. But I mean, like, and, specifically those, those two out of the, like, yeah, I, like a lot of people have been talking about how good Nathan Lane is in it. Like I didn't, I was yeah, impressed fine. by Nathan Lane. He's fine. Yeah. He does what he's supposed to do, but he's not impressive. Um, yeah. Yeah. And, um, um, and, and yeah, like, like I, like I said earlier, Joaquin Phoenix is always reliable. Like he, you know, he, he understands what he's doing and how to, you know, go about it. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's just like it's it is too long, too much, and like didn't do it for you. No, I mean, yeah, it's like 
like I can I can understand like what Aster is going for like um you know cuz cuz obviously there's a lot to talk about with you know like a lot of people I I think maybe even you John were like a lot of people were like bringing up the Odyssey and like honestly I didn't get that from it like at all like I mean I can see you know you know someone's journey through a you know a lot of shit, but like mm-hmm. I don't, you know, like there's no Cyclops, you know. We're not. It's not a remake. <laughs> there's of no Brother Cyclops. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there's no Cyclops. I don't know. There's those, uh, well, I be saying the Odyssey oh, in a structural way, not necessarily like beat for beat the Odyssey. <laughs> there's no Cyclops. Yeah. Y'all know those uh, those women at the waterfall? No, brother, where art thou? Supposed to be the sirens? Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Well, there is kind of a siren part. Um, again, you know, it's, it's a very, it's a very small thing in a three hour movie. Um, I think, I think it's fair to say that Ari Aster maybe like borrowed or was inspired by things like the Odyssey. I don't know if they, it's not a one for, it's not like, Oh Brother Arthur, where it's an obvious one for one thing, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's not a direct, you know, adaptation, but, um, speaking of adaptation, I mean, I think he's far more inspired by Charlie Kaufman in this movie than, any, than anything 100%. else. hundred you know? percent. Yeah. 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 So. Yeah. I mean, yeah, this, this has more to do with, um, I'm thinking of ending things than it does sure. with, you know, with a lot of, a lot of other stuff. And it is like incredibly, I mean, like there's no getting away from like, this is like, uh, there's a lot of these super self-indulgent, super long you know, films from um, from auteurs this year. Mm-hmm. Not just auteurs, really. I mean, even you know. Yeah, I mean, goofballs no, like like goofballs like that asshole who directed John Wick Four that Jr. loved. You know, Vin Diesel. He's an actor auteur. Oh right, he didn't direct the movie though, did he? No, but he. Okay. <laughs> well, he he didn't. Well, is Louis he, Le, he, is he Louis Leterrier is Louis Leterrier a uh, auteur? <laughs> Can you say that with a straight face? <laughs> I don't think so. Uh, <laughs> anyway, uh, well, I can't so, wait yeah, uh, to see this and argue argue either on my side or your side, Kevin. Yeah, waiting on that tiebreaker, Jr. That's right. I'll never have time. I well, only well, John. Like, just kidding. I will. I will make time. Re- refresh my memory. Like, like, didn't you say it was like, uh, what you gave it a four, but you said it was like a light four. Uh. I may have said that. That sounds right. This is this. That's been my thing lately. You said it was a light four when you were talking about how shitty this year is, and you were like, "Yeah, there aren't any fours." And I was like, "Here's a four. and you're like, Ugh. Eh, "It's not that good of a four, though. Okay. <laughs> it's not. It's definitely not as solid of a four as some other. I mean, it's not in my top ten anymore. I'll tell you that much. So. Right, right. Okay. You know, it's like yeah. way up my top ten actually. I mean, there's been a lot of good movies since Bo's Afraid. Thank God. Mm. Um, you know. The uh, second most popular review on Letterboxd mm-hmm. for Bo's Afraid is uh, a review written by Io Edabiri. I see it. Who plays uh, Sydney on The Bear. Okay. Just wonderful, wonderful performance from Sydney or from Io Edabiri. This is the uh, sous chef or whatever yeah. on The Bear? Yeah, I don't like her. That's stupid and wrong. I don't. I really. I don't. I don't dislike her as a person. I don't like her performance on the bear at all. It drives me insane. That's what I'm saying. It's uh, stupid and wrong. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. I couldn't. I couldn't make it past the first episode in season two. I was like, I, I don't think I could do this. <laughs> like, it's just like it's not for me anymore. I don't. Know. There's just too much like 
it's so written. I just can't handle how written it is. <laughs> it gets so good this season. And like all the cameo, bill, like you read about how all these actors, I have to be involved in this, and you know, and they they write letters, and they're in the show at like one episode. I just I don't well, you know, like whatever. Yeah, so like, I worked as a waiter when yeah. I was going to acting school, so I need to be <laughs> oh in this God. in this prestige drama. <laughs> it's just a it's, so yeah, it's not, a comedy. It's just not for best comedy at the Emmys last definitely, week. Definitely, definitely. Sure, 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 sure. Yeah. You know, they're hinging their bets. They know they can't win in the drama category. Uh, they don't. I don't. I don't know if the TV network decides that uh, designation. They decide what they submit it for. They do. Yeah. Okay. Because they were talking about that with uh, the act with the acting. Um, well, so yeah, and um, so like the network can submit the actors that they want to for whatever. But uh, and actors can submit themselves in the category that they feel they should be in. Uh, but I wasn't sure about like the uh, comedy or drama. Prime time honestly, it, it just prime. feels like honestly it feels like it's just like are you half an hour? You're a comedy. Yeah, but yeah, that's fair. I guess. Oh, is Wednesday half an hour? I don't actually know. Wednesday is a comedy, right? That's what it says. Mm. I was gonna. I was like immediately thinking of girls, but I was like, "Oh, girls is definitely a comedy." <laughs> but girls is a comedy in the same way the bear is a comedy. I mean, they have like super, you know, intense dramatic moments. Yeah, you know? but there, yeah. the characters make jokes sometimes. Exactly. <laughs> uh, yeah. On girls, it's good and funny, and on the bear, it's rarely that. So. <laughs> uh, I can't just keep saying it, but I, I'll keep thinking it. <laughs> All right, Tell us about a movie, JR. Uh, okay. Um, I love that. I love Kevin jumping in and trying to help me host. That's, I love it. <laughs> I wish I would have more often. Okay. Uh, I watched uh, an A24 movie. Both of you could help me host more. Go ahead. I'm sorry. <laughs> Go ahead. I don't know how. All I do is drive us off the rails. <laughs> um, all right. So, yeah, I watched an A24 movie that's on a, it's, it's like A24 Apple Plus original. It's called Sharper. It's a uh, it's a con movie uh, directed by Benjamin Karen, um, starring. Karen? Sorry, go ahead. What? No, I said C A R O N. Oh, it's okay then. Um, yeah. He avoids. <laughs> go ahead. Okay. Uh, this stars um, the kid who I feel like I first saw in the Dungeons and Dragons movie. Um, Oh, Justice Justice Smith? Smith, yeah. yeah. And then uh, Sebastian Stan, Julianne Moore, John Lithgow's got a small part, and then uh, uh, an actor or actress in Erdolf, uh named Brianna Middleton. And um, this has a really cool beginning where it starts off this like quiet, low key, like sort of like love story of uh, Justice Smith and Brianna Middleton meeting each other in a bookstore and um, then Brown Middleton uh, runs off with this kid's money. And uh, all of a sudden we have to go like back in time and see how this con got started and go back in time and see how this other level of a con got started. And then we go forward in time and see the next con. It's like cons on cons on cons. And um, it boils down to all of these like twists are, 
really obvious. And it's like, how are these, um, how are these experienced, uh, you know, con artists getting fooled by such stupid shit, uh, that they should see coming a mile away. And, um, you know, it just has like this, uh, really just super cute structure. I wrote that it's, a it's a too cute structure, the movie or full circle, the movie it's, uh, it's just, it's dumb. It's bad. I saw it on a few lists of like the best independent features of the year. Don't listen to those lists. It's fucking garbage. That's uh, according to tvinsider.com, uh, people before people or shows can be nominated for an Emmy, they have to be submitted for consideration. Okay. So I would assume that the shows are submitted in a specific category. In a category. But, I don't, it does, but it does not say that specifically here. I can't find a, a definitive... No, but that probably is the case. Like, why would why would the bear go up against secession on purpose when like it's a half hour? Right. It could likely be sold as a comedy. It says that um, also that the only the the groups who vote in each category are only those related to that category, the peer groups of that category. I'm not sure how they determine that though. Mm. But anyway, okay, um, Kevin. Uh, you watched Bo is Afraid and didn't like it. I watched Asteroid City and didn't like it. Uh, Asteroid City <laughs> is the new Wes Anderson movie, um, which stars just, you know, it's Wes Anderson. So it stars like 900 actors you've heard of. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you know, mainly Jason Schwartzman, Scarlett Johansson and Tom Hanks, I'd say are the sort of three. I actually, it's really just two leads. Jason Schwartzman, and Scarlett Johansson, and maybe like, maybe like, like uh, his uh, kid. Jason yeah, kid. yeah, yeah. I don't know. I don't even know if I'd include them. His two kids okay. as the uh, as, yeah, he has as three. Is it three? Four, four kids. Two. Oh, they're four. Jesus fucking Christ! He's got the the teenager yeah, the receiving the award and the, and the triplets. The, the hey, witches, you know what? Guess the what? This also stars Willem Dafoe. There you go. So anyway, right. <laughs> he's in one scene. Um. Yeah, this movie is like a, uh, you know, it's just like his last several films. There's like multiple um, layers of story going on here. Uh, But it really reminded me of uh, Grand Budapest Hotel more than anything. The way the layers play out and the sort of aspect ratio changes and so on. Um, And uh, the movie certainly looks uh, pretty nice. I like the uh, some of the landscapes and how like the sort of backgrounds are they look to be painted. I'm not sure if they are. Yeah. Like they like did like, um, like they were filming in Spain and they like recreated like monument Valley. Right. And it looks, uh, pretty cool. Um, less, less of a fan of some of the sort of, um, like I like the color palette, but it also like, it's so maybe like extreme that it like doesn't, it just like takes me out of it. Cause I'm like looking at it and I'm just like trying to tra- concentrate on what these characters are saying and trying to follow this plot, which is like, it's like sort of like a, for me. Okay. This is just me, Kevin. There <laughs> your head, yeah. I don't know what this movie hey, is. Like I, I, okay. Right over your head. Jerry, you saw this movie? He gave it a four and a half. <laughs> oh, that's right. I forgot. I forgot you saw this. You love this. Okay. Jerry then too, buddy. I don't know what this movie is about. I don't, I don't know like what Wes Anderson is trying to get at outside of like, you know, he wants to make a, like his, a Wes Anderson movie, a quirky, fun indie 
um, whatever you'd call this, you know, the ode to the fifties, ode to the fifties, Western America. Um, but like all of the sort of, um, emotional stuff that's going on in it. I like does not do anything for me at all. And, uh, I'm not sure that he's even like wants it to do anything for you. Like he's, it just feels like he's trying not like not hard at all with that stuff. And, uh, Tom Hanks, I don't know why Tom Hanks is in this movie. He's got like literally nothing to do. They could have cast literally anyone in this role. And Tom Hanks is better than this. And I don't even, I'm not even a huge Tom Hanks fan, but he's just like, he doesn't need to be doing things like this. Um, this is the only like decent thing he's been in in years. As he, <laughs> I mean, like, just remember Captain last Phillips. year? That was so long ago. <laughs> Five years ago. It was not. <laughs> uh, remember last year he was in like the two worst movies? It was in the only year. 10 years ago. <laughs> Jesus Christ, we're almost dead. We're so close to being dead. It's ridiculous. Sorry, uh, Tom Hanks. Uh, uh, look, I, I I agree with you that like, <gasps> is there much for Tom Hanks to do? No, there's not much for Tom Hanks to do. But Tom Hanks was giving an awful performance in Elvis, and Tom Hanks gave uh, a dreadful performance in a dreadful movie with the fucking Pinocchio remake. It was a, it was a bad year for for Tom Hanks. Yeah, um, you know, in this he just kind of gets to be. Uh, did you see a man called Otto? Yeah. I did not see that. That could, yeah, that could have been great. You don't know. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyways, I don't know. Tom Hanks is a good actor. Um, and I just, you know, I, like if he was at the center of this, it made it might have made it more interesting. But that being said, uh, I think it, it might be one of the better Jason Schwartzman's or Schwartzman's performances I've ever seen in a movie. I think he's doing... Uh, interesting he's actually acting i guess is what i'd say like most of the films that i see him in, i feel like he's not really there's no like there's no character that he's i don't know it's like the character's coming through only through the writing he's not doing anything to to promote the character necessarily and like here it's like he's actually subtle and um i don't know just there's a there's a really interesting performance going on there and i like his i like his performance and i like scarlett johansson a lot in it too uh again another sort of quiet uh, controlled performance, but I really enjoyed their performances, which is the sort of the only positive thing I can say about it outside of the, again, it looks fine. And I liked, I think Maya Hawk was pretty good in it. Um, as the teacher, uh, I did not like the scenes with the kids and her, like all that, like the Cowboys coming in and talking to the kids like that shit did nothing for me. And I will say that if this movie is supposed to be funny, I did not, crack a fucking smile during this movie. This movie is not funny at all to me. Uh, I don't even know which parts were supposed to be funny. Uh, and it, it just did not work at all in that, in that respect. And the, the and, teaching and, parts, I would say were supposed to be funny. I think Jeffrey Wright was supposed to be funny. Yeah. See, I don't. Why? You didn't crack a smile when Brian Cranston goes, am I not in this part? No, I hate Brian Cranston. I don't want him to be in any more movies ever. He can stop acting now. Like he's done. It's embarrassing now. It's just like his uh, the the Breaking Bad stunt casting with Brian Cranston. It's over. Like Brian Cranston, he had the role of his life in, in Breaking Bad. We can all just agree he was fine in that show. He doesn't need to be in more stuff. <laughs> like I don't understand. Like. Who is this person? Like, we're just assuming he's like a genius actor now because he put in 
you know, eight seasons in a four-star show. Four out of five, that is. So, John, John, <laughs> I, I got to stop you here. Go ahead. This is Tim fucking Watley. Like he's better in Seinfeld. He's a better comic <laughs> actor. Like obviously, you respect on that man. And this, and which this, is why he's in a comedy. Yes, <laughs> comedy. comedy. If it was funny, I'd call it a comedy, dude. This movie is not funny. Sorry. Like, not for me. I, this is not a funny movie. No, just based on its length, maybe it'll get a primetime Emmy Award for drama series. Maybe. And I love, I like Adrian Brody a lot. Like, I really want him to succeed and shit. And, like, you didn't want to like his, like, Ilya Kazan, Marlon Brando shtick that was happening? No, I liked sort of like, I didn't mind his performance in the movie. And like during those moments, I was actually like sort of engaged with what was going on because I want to see what he's doing, you know? But then like the stuff where like at the end where Jason Schwartzman sort of like drops out of character and like goes back uh, stage and talks to him, like all that just, it felt like it was supposed to be weighty and it just came off very trite in my opinion. Like I didn't care about what they were saying and like all this shit about just do the play. It doesn't matter if you understand what's going on. It's like, yeah, I mean, okay. It's, it seems like a cop out. It's like, Oh, it doesn't matter if we understand the play. So it doesn't matter if this movie is not about anything at all. <laughs> it's like, just do it. Just watch it. Cause it's Wes Anderson. You have to watch it. You fucking nerds. You know what I mean? It's not for me. <laughs> Well, I found that particular scene, like, for me, like, that was one of the more, like, like, heartfelt ones, because, like, I feel like, I, I realize, sure, it, it can it can sound trite, but, like, the fact that he's, you know, the fact that he's coming to him and says, I don't understand, I don't understand the play, I don't understand what I'm doing, but the fact that Bro- that Brody just tells him, it's okay. You're too, you're doing it right. Yeah. Like everyone wants to hear that at some everyone needs to hear that at some point in their life. Like it's okay that you don't understand. You're doing it right. So Yeah, I, I, yeah, and I you just connect that to like what his character's going through like with the mm. being being a widower and everything. I get it. I get that. It just didn't work for me in that moment. And I will say that. It's fine. The the idea like I like every time they cut to um the act like the actors who are playing these parts if that makes sense like when they cut to like Jason Schwartzman but he doesn't have a beard you know oh yeah Willem Dafoe's acting yeah exactly yeah every time they cut to that I'm just thinking like it like why is the play portion of this being portrayed as like a cinematic event like why are we seeing the play as a movie like why wouldn't we just see it almost made it would have made more sense almost if he would have just like staged the play in the or made the movie about making the play or something you know made it like like more in a more in a more sort of uh grounded way i guess which makes no sense because it's wes anderson i get it but it's like it's just i didn't understand the point of of the uh structure at all i mean i don't know do you guys have any thoughts about the structure and why it makes sense and why it's a good idea? I mean, I don't know. I, I feel like he's doing something different and, you know, like, <clears throat> like, you know, I'll be the first to admit, like, there's, there's a lot of things, you know, like, especially with all this, you know, AI chat GPT, like, you know, you know, you see all these, like, Photos of like you know if Wes Anderson did Dune and you know all yes. this, all this all this other kind of stuff yes. and it's like you know um, yes obviously obviously he ha- he has his tropes he has his 
you know, kind of generic looks, like generic because you know it's like you look and you see it's a Wes Anderson thing. Mm-hmm. But like, you know, I also kind of, you know, got to give him props like where whatever, you know, from like a certain time on, like whenever you see a still from a Wes Anderson movie, you know, it's a Wes Anderson movie. And, you know, for him and sure, like maybe it works, maybe it doesn't, but at least he's trying something new. It's trying something different, which is, you know, not something that you can say about a lot of directors, especially a lot of directors who are, you know, like a good like 30 years into their career. It so, is fair to say that he's if if you if you agree with what you're saying, like if someone were to agree with that, that he's trying something new. It is fair to say he's not trying something new from him, though, right? He's he's done the same thing now for you know what ten movies? I mean, like he's like since since I don't even know the for Dar- Darjeeling maybe like there's like this this style has like pervaded his films and he's well I think I think it, it he's really, refining it maybe but you know I think it really starts with Ten and Bounds and then kind of goes goes from sure. there sure but um but yeah I mean you know like he's yeah, like the the whole like play within a thing is not necessarily new for him because you know you have all the stuff from Rushmore and then you have much more similar stuff to this with French Dispatch. Sure. Um, when they're like directly you know talking about a play and all that kind of stuff. So yeah, I guess it would be like that. It's like it's like it, can you imagine watching Rushmore? And when they show the curtains open, suddenly we're actually in Vietnam and the kid, you know what I mean? It's like, like what would be the point of that? You know what I mean? It's like, so we're, we're in the imagination of the audience. What for? Like what? Like, you know what I mean? Like why? And it's, it's like, then you don't get the interest, like the sort of kitschiness and the uh, interesting, like way they put that play together and things like that. I don't know. Jar, what do you think? Uh, I think that there are ideas here sort of about artificiality and um, how just people kind of perform in their lives. We have rules that we perform and um, the way that those rules that we kind of like make up as we go become our identity. Uh, But also I know that that's a bunch of hooey that you don't really actually want to hear. And that's no, I mean, that's all I'm that that makes sense. And that's, I don't disagree that that's there. I don't know how interesting it is to me. That's all. But. <laughs> well, and I think that's reasonable. I also hate that, like, like things like like this makes this doesn't even feel right in the Wes Anderson film to me. The Margot Robbie uh, cameo, whatever. The, the I mean, that's not a it's not a plot spoiler. Like the fact that she's in the movie, it just feels like a. I mean, it just feels like it didn't, it's completely unnecessary, you know. Like we just need to like we like this is be great. We'll have this huge star in this incredibly minor role, and it'll be just so much fun. And it's completely pointless, but you know, it's like again, could have had literally anyone play that role, but you know, whatever. Anyway, and I don't know. I don't know. You know, go ahead. Well, I mean, you know, there's a bunch of people that want to work with him, and you know, uh, of like, course, no, I, I, like especially you know, someone like her, like you know, she probably wants to be in something like that, and so like this is, like, I think that's, I think that's a, you know, a good deal of the people, especially in this movie. It's yeah. like, you know, they're there for you know, maybe they uh, did like five days of, of filming, and you know, they were gone. Oh, of course, um, they're man. there 
for him, I agree. I mean, Margot yeah, Robbie's yeah. got uh, Anderson and Bombach in the uh, in the same year. It's like a 2007 wet dream for many <laughs> for many cinephiles, you know. What what no Bombach was she in? Bombach co-wrote Barbie. What Anderson is? She? Oh, you're talking about Wes Anderson. I thought for some reason I what? immediately thought PT. The movie we're fucking talking about. Isn't she, she? She's in the new Paul Thomas Anderson movie, though, isn't she? Oh, I don't know. Oh, has that been announced? Oh, but uh, they've been talking about the casting, and I think like I think um, he's looking at DiCaprio finally, and uh, hmm. I want to say Margot Robbie was also involved. I'm not oh, sure though. Okay. Anyway. Uh, sorry. Anyway, yeah. Uh, Astro City, not for me. Did, you know, would not. Uh, you guys aren't wrong for liking it. Like whatever you want. It just did not work for me. Just like Bo was afraid didn't work for uh, Kevin. It's very gracious of you. After I called you stupid and wrong multiple times. <laughs> <laughs> you can like the bear too, man. Watch the bear all you want, dude. We know how garbage your t- your taste in TV is. You didn't like True Detective season one. <laughs> you don't know what you're talking about. It's true. It's true. <laughs> All right, uh, Jr. I don't think it's my turn. Not Kevin. Is it Kevin? Sir, I always forget what order. <laughs> yeah. Kevin. Well. I'll edit that out. <laughs> All right. So, uh, John, you want to talk about the master? Yeah, sure. Yeah. So, so longtime listeners to this podcast will know. Um, Back in 2017, when I first watched this film, I was not in a good place in my life, so I gave a lot of poor uh, reviews to a lot of films that probably deserve better. I can't, I can't say, you know, um, I was wrong on everything, but on The Master, I was definitely wrong, because originally I gave it two and a half, and I, you know, kind of shat on it in a review, but I was wrong. This movie is fucking gorgeous it is so well acted the story is so well put together it's still a little long for my particular taste nah it's getting good but oh my god like philip seymour hoffman it's his birthday today may he rest in peace but this guy is so goddamn good like you know, like the the way the way he does Lancaster Dodd, this you know sort of like pseudo like take on Elron Hubbard and uh, the um, you know Scientology movement. Like he's just so good. Um, and Joaquin Phoenix, you know, like as extreme as his performance can be in certain areas, like. You know, he never strays from the path. He's always very like the actor like, does. Like yeah, the like, character uh, strays from the path. That's true. Literally. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, true. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, like you, you never, you never doubt that Joaquin Phoenix is Freddie Quell. Um. Yeah, and like, you know, Jesse Plemons and yeah. Amy Adams, like skinny Plemons. Yeah. Has he gained the weight yet? Yeah, like I think I think even pre um maybe even pre Breaking Bad Plymouth. Yeah, I don't uh yeah, I'm not sure. He was on um in the last season. That was like twenty thirteen. I think he was in it before that. He's in the uh, uh, maybe. 
But he's he was in a Friday Night Lights TV show, I think, before that. Oh, okay. How he got his start, I think. Yeah. If I'm not mistaken. Um. Yeah, Friday Night Lights. Uh. Yeah, I've, I, I, you know, you can't. What can you say? It's a great film. It, uh, the the fact that they're, <laughs> the fact that Mihai Melamar was not, uh, nominated for cinematography is like absolutely criminal. Like it's it's the grossest thing I can think of. It's worse than, or it's at least on the same level as Val Kilmer not being nominated for Tombstone. It is, uh, yeah. it's, it's a crime. And uh, the fact that the leads lost is also a crime. I agree. I mean, it's um, mm. it might be, it might it's definitely my favorite uh, performance from both of these leads, and it might be the best in their in their catalog as well. Uh, I find it uh, moving. Also, like the the last scene between Freddie and uh, Lancaster when he sings to him is just very mm. touching and lovely, and uh, strange. And I really like the sort of there are things I never noticed before that I or things that I I guess I was confused about on all of my prior watches that I totally got this time. Mm. <clears throat> One of which I'm almost embarrassed to say, but is uh, when uh, towards the end of the film, when uh, when Freddie's at the movies and he gets the phone call from Lancaster telling him to come to England. And then that's a that's a dream. And I never I always remember thinking like it's up for interpretation whether that's a dream or not, but he tells Lancaster that's his dream. He says, I had a dream mm. that you called me. And then it's also interesting because he's like, he had a dream that he called him, but he knows things from that dream that are true. Yeah. He knows like, to go to England and he knows that he wants cools and he knows that, uh, uh, there's one other thing. Um, I can't remember, but the point is that like there's there there mm. seems like Anderson's hinting at there might actually be some sort of like uh, psychic connection between the two of them or something, you know, which I think is interesting. And uh, but also it's like the whole film is told through these extremely subjective scenes of Freddie, mostly Freddie's uh, perspective, mm. where he's seeing things that clearly aren't happening, uh, like the 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 dancing singing sequence with the nude women you know and uh so he's obviously like an unreliable person to follow mm. through the film so it's like anything that happens to him you have to see like i i i thinking like maybe the last scene doesn't even happen you know maybe he's not even in england you know maybe and maybe uh, he never has that final moment because it does kind of seem like lancaster is is on a down downward trajectory towards the end after the second book people are questioning him and saying the book the, the, the things don't make sense anymore and he's yeah. changed things and he's getting angrier and angrier and so like i 100% forgot that laura dern was in this movie yeah until she until she shows up too. yeah really yeah it's like three i was doing uh, i was thinking about it and like i think like three of the actors have won oscars since this movie mm. it's like joaquin laura dern and someone else, Amy Adams still hasn't won. But oh, uh, Rami Malek. Yeah, Rami Malek. That's what it was. Yeah, Rami Malek also won. Yeah. Yeah. And I like. I think the score is phenomenal. I think the score might be better than the There Will Be Blood score. In fact, I think it's just more <laughs> impressive. It's more like there's more like uh, nuance and uh, mm. 
uh, variety in it. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I just really, I don't know. It was great. It was a great rewatch. Loved it. Yes. Loved it. <laughs> um, I'm glad you're on board now. Four star Ted. All right. Yeah. <laughs> I think you just got to rewatch Boogie Nights, man, and give that thing four stars or five even. <laughs> uh, we'll, we'll see. We'll see. Well, one and a half, Kevin. I mean, <laughs> you got it. I gave it. Me. Yeah, dude. It's been, it's literally been. It was six a bad years. time in my life. Yeah, dude. You watched it almost six years exactly ago. So. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, anyway. Yeah. Uh, yeah, like that one and um, um, Punch Drunk Love. Mm-hmm. Um, do, do you think, like, I gave Inherent Vice 2.75. Do you think that was inherently unfair? No. I don't, uh, I, you know, I, I gave it four when I saw it in the theater, but I don't think that's right. Like, I feel like I would, I feel like honestly I should have given it lower at the time and I tried to rewatch it a few years ago and didn't make it through it. So I'm not Mm. sure. I mean, at some point I will power through it and rewatch it and maybe I'll love it. I don't know, but it's definitely the, 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 the low, low, lowest one on the, out of his features in my opinion. Mm, Yeah. Like far and away yeah yeah because like you know like like yeah it took it took me a while to get there but i was like you know like i did really like licorice pizza i really like uh you know there will be blood i really liked phantom thread so it's like yeah let me and you know because of seeing walking phoenix and bo is afraid it's like yeah let me give you know the master another try yeah totally um Inherent Vice, I don't know, man. I'd have to, I really need to rewatch it. I don't know. Mm. I should really give it another shot, but four stars seems insane to me on my uh, when I when I think about how I felt about it at the time. Mm-hmm. I think I was just doing that because I love Anderson and I want him to succeed. <laughs> right. <laughs> this is also probably one of the first things I ever rated on here. Oh, okay. So. Anyway, uh, JR? Uh, I got one more. Just, uh, you know, it's late as fuck. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, yeah, since I didn't watch much. Uh, I got Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning Part 1, uh, directed by Christopher McQuarrie, who has now directed uh, three of these in a row. Yeah, three of these. And was a co-writer on Ghost Protocol before that. Um this is a Mission Impossible movie that feels pretty similar to uh, to the Mission Impossible movies, all of them post-Mission Impossible 3. Um, you know, Ethan Hunt has a MacGuffin that he's tasked with acquiring, assembles his team. Um, they go rogue. They're even kind of acknowledging that as a joke now that this team always goes rogue. And... Uh, you know, it uh, it's got some set pieces that are, I think, really cool. They uh, film some of these with a bit more uh, just like comedy and lightheartedness than uh, than I think they've done in the past, especially with the uh, the Rome uh, car chase. And uh, I like all that a lot. My knocks against this movie are that the villain is ultimately like an AI. That is referred to as the entity, and we don't like. We know that the entity has the ability to uh, get into basically anything 
technologically uh, or connected to the internet and uh, change information. So there's like a bunch of talk about the nature of truth and stuff that is uh, really silly. It's a silly movie. That's whatever. Um, but the AI has like this avatar whose name is Gabriel played by Isai Morales, who we saw uh, recently in bad boys. And uh, sorry, we, this group saw him recently in bad boys. And um, again, we have no idea why this guy is like working for the entity or what he is getting out of this, but they have connected Isai Morales's character to Ethan Hunt's to Tom Cruise characters, uh, like pre impossible mission force past in a way that, you know, it's like, it's supposed to make him some kind of boogeyman. I don't know if we needed to have him connected to, to the past to be that boogeyman. Um, I think it was like, it was really trying to find a way to make this guy feel like he matters. Um, instead of like showing us through his actions, why he's a heavy. But yeah. Those are my, uh, my only real issues. John, I know you watched this. I did. Um, Carrie Always, back in a big way. This is his second uh, movie playing almost the exact same role in the same year. Uh, (laughs) And uh, it reminds me of more of uh, Ghost Protocol, actually, than the two that he has directed previously. um, Because it's, like you say, it is lighthearted and way less serious than, especially than Fallout. Fallout's a, I mean comparatively speaking, a, a much darker film than yeah. this is. Uh, I like the set pieces. I think that um, the biggest issue is like they don't look particularly real when they're happening. Like even the ones that are real don't look real. So it's like, then I question like, why do them real? You know, like <laughs> do we need Tom Cruise to jump off a cliff if it doesn't look like he's really jumping off a cliff? I don't know. Doesn't, I mean, what's the point? I also didn't like some of the plot stuff that, um, just like this is like super subjective, but like just certain characters don't make it to the end of this film. And I'm not a fan of it. Like (laughs) I understand that you have to, they wanted to give weight to like what was happening. And maybe again, like you're saying they had to make Gabriel or Isai Morales character, like seem like, uh, like a really bad guy. So, or like give Tom Cruise even more of a reason to hate him. But that's like, also it's like, it's stupid because it's, he's portrayed that, he wronged him in the past by murdering some woman that he was in love with. Right. Right. And then, you know, I don't want to spoil anything, but he, he, he might do similar things in this movie again. So it's like, what, what's the, why, why have the, the stuff at the beginning with the, uh, the flashback on? I mean, he just makes yep. no sense, you know, it's just like, and, but still, I didn't, uh, necessarily want to see some characters die who died in this movie. And then, uh, you know, uh, I really, really, really liked the uh, airport sequence. I liked the sub stuff at the beginning. I thought that was all cool. Um, I loved, what's her name? Uh, Haley Atwell. Fuck no. I loved Vanessa Pal- Kirby. I loved Palm oh, Clemens as Paris. Excellent. So good. I love the performance. I love like the weird like smiles and giggling and shit she's doing while she's chasing them in the giant. I love the juxtaposition of the giant truck and the tiny car and how she's incredibly tiny, but she's in the giant truck. Just seems obvious, but it's really good and cool. And those the, the chase scene was really good. Um, did not need Kittredge to be in this movie, but whatever. Uh, yeah, that, I mean, there's and like there are a few things in this movie that are like 
pointing back to the first one, mm-hmm. you know, just the sequence on the train in general. But yeah, I, I, I guess they're just like, we killed Alec Baldwin, so we can't bring him back. Sure. Why find someone new? Yeah, uh, I mean, they're, they're but that's, that, isn't that the funny thing, though? It's like they're connecting this film to the first film by recasting Henry Zerny or whatever his name is, because Kittredge. But yet they have to invent something that happened before the first film. Like, why yeah. not just relate that? Some make Gabriel part of like retcon him into the first film. I wouldn't mind that. Whatever you know, it's like bring John Voight back. I mean, yeah. <laughs> um, anyway, uh, yeah, uh, the airport stuff was good. I said that already. Let's see. Oh, and also uh, Tom Cruise. I think this is one of the things that makes it less dark is that he barely shoots anyone in this movie. Like he only shoots people in the first ten minutes, and then like I don't think he has yeah, a gun in the in the desert. Yeah. He literally never has a gun the rest of the movie. Yeah. And, in, and in Fallout, he has a gun in every scene. He pulls out a pistol constantly. He's shooting at people. You know. Yeah, there's yeah. only a little bit of like close-range combat. And he has a gun. Like He has a gun in the, the alley, tight alley fight. But oh, does he? ends up not being... Someone's got a gun that gets kicked out of their hands. Oh, uh, yeah, maybe. Maybe yeah, it's one of the henchmen. Well, she has a pipe, I know. She like takes the lead She's pipe. got the pipe. One, there's a, a gun too, that gets cool kicked fight. out of, or taken out of someone's hand, but sure. the gun doesn't get used. Um, yeah, I like that uh, that fight a lot. Yeah, it's cool. Um, I did not yeah. like Haley Atwell. I do not like that she's being quite crowbarred into the franchise. I'm not a fan of the character. <laughs> um, sorry. Like, I don't know. No. I, we already have a female who's a part of it, and like, Rebecca Ferguson is uh, a wonderful actress and way good looking. And like, why would we need any, why do we need other women who are way younger and not as good looking in this? It's Haley Atwell. <laughs> Haley Atwell's not even that young. I mean, 82. Well, how old is Rebecca Ferguson? Probably a similar age. Oh, you're right. She's actually younger. 83. Okay. <laughs> Haley, I, thought, I was looking at Haley Atwell. It's like, this girl's like 25. She's stupid. Fuck this girl. Like, you know, <laughs> I don't know. So she's been her. around forever. I've Haley never, heard, I've literally never heard of her. But she's whatever. in the first Captain America movie. I mean, okay. Which, uh, she was in Black Mirror. And I haven't seen a ton of her since then, but I remember Agent Carter just being something that matters in the Marvel universe, even though she's yes. like never really been a part of it since then. She was in this really shitty Pillars of the Earth miniseries mm. um, that I remember watching because I read that book when I was a kid. I also hated the book. I don't know why I watched it. Um, anyway. Yeah, I'm not. She doesn't do anything for me. So, anyway, I mean, I didn't like hate her guts or anything in the movie. Like, she's not as bad as his. Uh, who's the woman who plays his wife, Monahan? Michelle Monahan. Yeah. Yeah, I can't. I hate her. I like. I don't like her at all in these movies. But anytime they want to bring her back, it's like a nightmare. Well, but now she's done. They they like resolved her in Fallout at the end. I know they should. I, I wish she wasn't in Fallout because Fallout might be like a four and a half five if she wasn't in it. <laughs> like it's. <laughs> It's so good. Fallout rocks. <laughs> anyway, um, yeah, so that's all I have. And Vanessa Kirby is almost impossibly good looking, but anyway. Yeah. And she's weird to look at because she's just like so strikingly gorgeous. It was great that they found a reason to bring her back. Um, and then it, I enjoyed her being used as a mask and getting to kind of have fun with the. Yeah. On yeah. the train. I didn't mind that. I liked that. I didn't mind that whole sequence. Um, good, good, uh, good suspense. 
And Shea yeah. Wiggum is. I like Shea Wiggum in it. I hope he comes back. He's fun. Oh, you don't I, like Shea Wiggum? No, no, I, I do <laughs> like him. I was like, that's a character. It was like, they didn't. Like, they had that character chasing him around just to kind of be a joke until until the end. Right. Um, yeah, but hopefully they use uh, those guys like, more. I just like seeing Shea Wiggum, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I did think in the trailer, though, they show. Remember when he has the two balls of gas and the gas mask on? And I thought that was Shea Wiggum in the trailer. So I was like really confused when that happened. I was like, oh, I thought Shea Wiggum was like the guy who. I thought he was going to be like a villain in the film, you know? Mm-hmm. But he's not. Anyway. Um, okay. Uh, is it my is it my turn, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Um, I mean. I don't want to keep you guys. I mean, I have Nightfall in the Flash to talk about. Uh, Go ahead. Just get, yeah, just just Nightfall throw, is throw it at us. Nightfall is like um, okay. I'll, I'll a little spoiler for our upcoming review of Out of the Past. When I watched Nightfall, I thought it might be the best written movie from this era that I've ever seen, and it held that distinction until I watched Out of the Past. <laughs> <laughs> which um, is probably better written even, but that's saying something because Nightfall is an incredibly well-written movie and the dialogue is amazing. And everyone in this movie is great, especially the two villains, the um, red and the other fellow whose name is John, I guess the John, Brian Keith, John. Yeah. That's I don't remember. It's John, John and red. Uh, played by Brian Keith and Rudy Bond, especially Red though, like he's he's like the hothead of the two, and he won't, he like enjoys killing people. It's so good. And uh, Aldo Ray, never seen Aldo Ray in anything uh, until this. He's like he's got like such Aldo. a he's got such a weird voice though. He sounds like he's gone hoarse, you know. And he's it makes everything he says sound really gentle and like non actory. Like he feels like a non actor. Um. And it's just a lot of, uh, you just love watching him. You just love everything he's saying comes out of his mouth. You're like, yes, this is great. And, uh, when he's like hitting on Anne Bancroft, it's amazing at the beginning. And, uh, all of, like the super like clever shit, like, um, the cop who's following him throughout the whole film, who I guess is maybe James Gregory. I hate that. I don't know who these people are. Anyway, uh, when he, the way he figures out where, Aldo Ray is going on the bus. Like he just walks up and be like, Hey, my buddy, I just bought a ticket. Uh, did he come through here? And he's, and he describes him and then he, and then he's like, Hey, what time's that bus leave again? And then he hears when it leaves and he knows which bus they're on. And it's just so good. I love shit like that. And, uh, yeah, it's just a good movie. It's got a really interesting, like set piece at the end too. Um, that sort of wraps everything up and it's very, very gruesome, especially for 1956. Not that it's graphic, but it is extremely gruesome what happens. <laughs> if, if you use your imagination, little Fargo action happening, if you know what I mean. Uh, but even worse, I'd say. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, so Nightfall was amazing, and I highly recommend it. And it was, uh, yeah, just another, you know, I'm just, you know, loving Jacques Turner. Turner. <laughs> And, uh, uh, I've seen 38 of his movies. A lot of them are really good. <laughs> wow. And they're virtually all extremely short. That's awesome. That's the best part. Yeah. Mm. The best part. <laughs> Kevin, you, you have one more? 
Oh, just the uh, the homework and the. Uh... Okay, well, real quick, I'll talk about the Flash then. Um, I watched the Flash finally because it's on VOD now, and uh, it's directed by Andy Machete, who did the It movies, the It uh, remakes. Um, stars Ezra Miller, the troubled Ezra Miller, as Barry Allen, the Flash. Actually, two different versions of Barry Allen, the Flash, uh, his 18-year-old self from another timeline, and his normal self that we've been following for. I don't know, some of these DC movies, if you're watching the DC movies. And uh, in this movie, he discovers that he can go back in time, and he wants to because his mother apparently was murdered. I don't know if we're supposed to know that already, but they explain all that in the movie pretty easily. And um, he wants to rescue her, you know? So he's like, I can go back in time and fix it. And uh, he does try to, but he ends up going to like a different, uh, you know, like the whole splintering timelines theory, you know, time is a river. It's like a Japanese guy says all discovery. Cool. Anyway, uh, <laughs> so he goes on, he goes into a different tributary, if you will. And, uh, in this different reality, uh, there are no superheroes, uh, and Superman never made it to earth, but lucky for him, uh, Michael Keaton's Batman exists, even though he hasn't been Batman in a while. And there is a, female Kryptonian who's being kept uh, in some kind of kryptonite prison. And, uh, yeah, he teams up with his younger self and Batman and this Supergirl uh, person, and they have to fight Zod, who's back. He's coming, and he's going to terraform the planet, guys. (laughs) (laughs) This movie is really, really good, very entertaining, really funny actually works like the comedy beats are funny unlike most superhero movies which are like trying desperately to be funny and are not a lot of it works and i think a lot of it has to do with uh ezra miller's performance i don't know if we're allowed to compliment ezra miller but he is he does a pretty good job in this movie (laughs) and uh he does have to play two wildly different versions of this character and uh, i think he does i think he pulls it off and it's it's amusing and the Michael Keaton stuff is great, especially if you like Batman and Batman Returns. And I 50% like Batman and Batman Returns. I like Batman Returns. I don't like Batman, but Batman Returns rocks. And uh, it's just good to see Michael Keaton back in action. And the way the story resolves is really interesting, in my opinion. And uh, there's a lot of like sort of fan service stuff going on towards the end of this movie, which I think would normally drive me insane, but... It's not but bad. It's, it's not Marvel. Oh, here we go. Turn it's off not Marvel. Filter. That's what we did in there. <laughs> okay. No. That's actually, um, I think what... I was also thinking about how this movie differs from a Marvel movie because... Okay, well, I mean, for one thing, it looks like a movie, so that's, you know, that's a, for starters. It's like shot cinematically. But, um... <laughs> but, uh... Also... It's very grave. Anyway, um... In fact, the two berries have different color lightning whenever they're running. So, <laughs> anyway, uh, no, I was thinking it's it's different in that you really don't need to know much about the DC universe to follow to get into this movie. Unlike, say, the way the event, the way, not the Avengers, the way the Marvel films. Uh, run, I mean, surely, like, you know, you'd say, like, okay, you watch Gardens of the Galaxy, it's pretty episodic, it's self-contained. But a lot of their films are, like, 
there are references to things that happened in other films, and not always recent other films. Sometimes films that were much older, much you know, came out a long time ago, and they have to do flashbacks and exposition to explain that stuff. And in this movie, it's really just Zod being involved. Like they explain the Zod thing, and then it's you know, if you've seen Man of Steel, you have a, a leg up. But other than that, I don't really feel like there's much of a connection at all to any of the. I mean, other than you know Ben Affleck showing up as Bruce Wayne, but calls him Bruce Wayne, so you know who he is. You wouldn't need to see Batman v Superman to know that. <clears throat> Anyways, this is a good movie. Don't you know what? I didn't. Uh, I'm not. I don't like this movie just because it's not a Marvel movie. Okay, don't listen to Jr. And Jr. But Jr. will dislike this movie just because it's a DC. <laughs> That's the difference. That, okay. yeah. So I don't know about that. I, I definitely stopped watching DC movies. Yeah, I didn't see Black Adam or Black Adam yeah. is good too. Black Adam's not Shazam bad. movie. Watch Black Adam. It's not bad. <sighs> I didn't see Shazam. I won't watch that. <laughs> That's just like, no, just, doesn't even, it doesn't even feel like a DC movie. It just feels like a comedy. Like, it's just a goofy comedy. Like, I'm not sure not. It's got that guy in it. I don't like that guy. <laughs> that show, Ed, or whatever. What is, what is that? Chuck. Oh. Chuck. Chuck. Yeah. Who's in Zach. Ed? Zach something. No. Is it Zach? The guy, no, the guy who plays Chuck. Isn't it Zach? Uh, it's not Zach Braff. I don't Zachary know. Zachary Le- Levi. Yeah, Zachary okay. Le- or Levy, I guess. I don't know. Um, yeah, that guy's, I'm not into him, but whatever. Mark Strong's on it, though. I don't know. I might check this out. <laughs> anyway, uh, anyways, The Flash is good. Check it out. Don't sleep on it. Kevin, how was Transpotting? So, um, yeah, Transpotting was a lot of fun. And <laughs> I, I and I have to say, like, the, the scene with the toilet and the scene with the dead baby, those scenes don't get any easier oh, okay. over time. <laughs> they were fun? <laughs> Where are we going? <laughs> parts of it are fun. Parts of it are very, very not fun. <laughs> but, yeah, like, yeah, watching it, you know, watching it, I again, you know, I really enjoyed it. Um, Trainspotting 2, not so much. Like, it's, that you know... There's this kind of sort of plot involving like half-assed revenge schemes, and it's just, it's it you know it's I don't know it didn't do it for me, but uh but the first train spotting is really good, and it's something that you know I think Danny Boyle should still be proud of to this day, um. Like, uh, I read the book Train Spotting. Like, it's got to be, you know, like eight or nine years ago now, so I don't remember a whole heck of a lot of what happens in it. But um, I, I remember it was, it's very, like, the book is very, like, it follows a bunch of different characters through a bunch of different scenarios. And, like, you know, a lot like the movie. Like, there's there's funny bits of it, and then there's, parts of it that are like pretty dark. Um so yeah, I would definitely recommend checking out the book and the first movie. Um haven't read uh porno which parts of the parts of Train Spotting 2 are based on, but I like Irvin Welsh. The yeah. author who also plays Mikey Forrester. Um 
So yeah, drink spotting is good. I really only like gave him or Welsh a shot like in high school after seeing train spotting and I found him to be insufferable, but that was also over half my life ago and I should probably try again. Again, I will say that like I first started trying to read a train spotting probably like either in high school or maybe like right after. And like, it was, it was some, it was difficult because it's written in like, Scottish dialect. Um, hmm. yeah. Yeah. But then, you know, you watch more British and Scottish stuff, like, you know, like now, since you've, you know, watched so much Doctor Who, like, I'm sure you can hear, you know, the different, you can hear it in your head, so reading it would be a lot easier. I doubt Urban Welsh has anything on Doctor Who. <laughs> I mean, you know, two sides of the same coin. Look, uh, I watched Jodie Whittaker's final uh, Doctor Who appearance uh, last week. Mm-hmm. And, uh, of course, I wasn't going to talk about that because why would I talk about that on this podcast, even though I'm doing it now? <laughs> and um, it's it's one of those episodes that, like, there are multiple Doctors present and multiple, uh, like, past um, companions. And I was like, Really missed an opportunity to include uh, Karen Gillan in this uh, in this episode, guys. Yikes! <laughs> we've got we've got plenty of beautiful female actresses that we've talked about already. I didn't even talk about fucking One Fine Morning, okay? And I could get into it. Leia Say Do is stunning, stunning. <sighs> Been meaning to watch that forever, so maybe maybe we can get into it uh, next episode. It's cool. Mm. She's great in it. Um, like that director. Right. Let's talk out of the past. This is JR's pick from 1947, directed again by Jock Turner, um, and stars Robert Mitchum, Jane Greer, Kirk Douglas, among others. And it's about uh, uh, Jeff Bailey, who uh, is a mundane gas station owner in remote Bridgeport, California. And he's dating a local girl, Ann Miller, and lives a quiet life. But Jeff has a secret past. And when a mysterious stranger arrives in the town, Jeff is forced to return to the dark world he had once tried to escape. The stranger isn't that mysterious. He kind of shows up and makes his intentions clear. You know, like, (laughs) uh, he just sees a sign, suspects it could be uh, the Jeff he's looking for. Because uh, because Jeff Bailey has has inconspicuously named his uh, gas station Jeff Bailey. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> has the name of his name in big letters. <laughs> um, yeah, it's like it's a situation where like uh, it's like how'd you find him? It's uh, oh, I saw his his name plastered name on the side sign. of a building. <laughs> yeah, yeah, or a big sign. Um, <laughs> man, this uh, so yeah, this you know this this fits very comfortably in the film noir tradition, even though a lot of this uh, takes place sort of a. Uh, outside and well-lit spaces which i enjoy but we do have a lot of our our nighttime interiors that are very strikingly lit and i very much enjoyed watching uh the way this movie was filmed even though the amazon hd rental i bought or rented was absolute dog shit i'm really Really? upset about that ouch it sucked it sucked i was not because it's funny you say that because 
I watched um, Nightfall. I started Nightfall on Plex and was just like, this movie looks great. And then my Plex started like, it's never done this before, but the 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 audio started going out of sync. And I was like, mm. I can't do I can't do this. So I had to start it again on YouTube, and the YouTube was like. 480 you know it was like horrible I was all pixelated and shit oh, I had to damn. watch it all pixelated and I didn't get to appreciate how beautiful I'm sure the rest of it looked but on out of the past on my Plex looked amazing so and this is this is the kind of movie that like where we are immediately interest, like introduced to like multiple like hard ass characters you know um, <laughs> just like um, like not only do we have Robert Mitchum who's you know just like his like quiet, um, smart ass detective, um, and Kirk Douglas is, you know, I don't want to call him evil, but like clearly just strong, heavy, bad guy, uh, up to no good treats mm. the people around him. You get a sense. He treats the people around him like garbage. We also have, um, you know, Joe played by Paul Valentine, who, uh, just keeps showing up as sort of like, just like slimy henchmen. Um, and then, you know, we've got our, uh, our beautiful women, you know, Jane Greer is, is Kathy Moffat, uh, who stole Kirk Douglas's money and is on the run. Uh, and shot that, him. Yeah. Shot him, <laughs> which no one seems to care that much about. Uh, although like, it's really just there as like a piece of information. Like she has shot someone. Yeah. She <laughs> will shoot someone. Um, Maybe more than Kirk one. Douglas doesn't seem mm. to care that he was shot. He just wants that girl back. Uh, but then I actually then, forgot. Like, the, I forgot that she shot him. Honestly, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like they only like they just talk about it. Like he doesn't seem injured when right. Right. he's mm. sitting. I guess when he, he's talking about the other uh, case. But you know, like we've kind of had this this very pretty dud of a woman, Ann Miller, that Jeff is dating now. Who like you know she's like the good. Uh, the good one, the upstanding, like in a standby, your man type of girl that girl sort of represents an, an idea of like a straight future for Jeff. Uh, and then Rhonda Fleming plays Mita Carson, also uh, gorgeous later in the movie. But uh, anyway, like these characters, I feel like are out of like a almost like a parody of what noir is. Like they're like when I think of noir these are the characters that I think of, and this is the way that they talk. Um, sure. It in like, it's a movie I've only seen once, but it, it just, it feels very by the book, even if, um, I also think they're all very well done. This is, I wrote 18 minutes in, um, Turner has made sure that we have focused on the lighting of at least six cigarettes. Um, we are constantly, Lighting cigarettes. A lot of smoking. Yeah. A lot of smoking. Also, tons of food and drinks not being eaten and drank. Like, they order shit constantly, just walk away from tables before the shit gets there. When when it gets there, they just leave it there. It's insane, dude. Taste buds are just fucked from all that nicotine. Yeah. Yeah. So true. Uh, There's that one point where, uh, where, uh, does Mitchum help? Does Mitchum light? Kirk Douglas cigarette with his own cigarette at one point doesn't happen. Yes. <laughs> yeah, 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 it does happen. That's <laughs> crazy. Uh, I didn't read a ton of uh, trivia and stuff for this movie. I, I I watched this pretty late at night um, this weekend, and 
I was taking notes, but I, like initially I was like, I'm going to watch half of this and then stop it and I'll come back. And I could not uh, come back. I could not stop it. Um, just had to get through it. So I didn't do some of the outside extra stuff mm-hmm. that I was planning on. But a couple of things I did read, like apparently Mitchum just like smoking so much on this set that in one of the scenes where he walks in with a cigarette and Kirk Douglas asks him if he wants a cigarette. All right, smoking. And right? he's just like, oh. like, just like points out that he's smoking. That was apparently like an improvised accident because he was not meant to already be holding Amazing. a cigarette. Good moment. Wow. Uh, <laughs> you know, that could, of course, be bullshit, but it's a great, great story if it's true. Um, I can see it being true. <laughs> so, look, we, we've got a case. This is, again, this is a crime movie. Uh, Jeff Bailey, uh, you know, Joe, the guy who was looking for, for Jeff Bailey, finds him and uh, is basically like, you're going to come with me and meet my boss because basically we, we find out you ran out on this uh, this case that he had some time ago. Really unclear to me how long ago uh, this all happened. Didn't they say three years? Did they? Yeah, okay. yeah or, three years. Thank you for paying more. attention. Yeah, I feel like it's three. Yeah, he said three years. Because yeah. yeah. he was t- he tell because there's that huge exposition scene where he tells Anne in the car on the way to see yeah. Wit, mm-hmm. which I was really confused about because I was like, he's going to see Wit, and immediately I'm thinking like Wit's the bad guy. He's gonna go see Wit, and he's bringing Anne with him to see Wit. I was like, he, Wit wants you dead, probably. You're gonna bring your girlfriend along with you. That <laughs> was, no, he apparently just wanted a ride. I don't know. Yeah. Um, well, he's he's got to tell and, her the you know. The whole story. Yeah, she she drives away before he goes in the house, so it's I, yeah. I, I erased the note at that point. I was like, well, he just needed the ride, so it's all good. And he really and he's got to talk to her, you know. Yeah, we we needed a, a long flashback, um, in which we, you know, again see, uh, Wit uh, giving Jeff and his partner this case to look for Kathy Moffat, who we find out is played by Jane Greer, and he tracks her down to Acapulco, um, and. Uh, of course, falls in love with this absolutely gorgeous uh, woman, and um, you know they try to give Wit uh, the slip and like start their own life together, and that goes on for a little bit. They like live in San Francisco until Jeff's old partner tracks him down, and um, they get into some shit when uh, he follows Kathy back to their their cabin getaway. And uh, and he gets shot by Kathy in what is one of my favorite scenes. I love seeing we don't see Kathy shoot that gun. And when we see Kathy, she is framed by um, by Robert Mitchum's shadow. And we see the gun like slowly lower. It's like this, this long shot and the gun, her arm is lowering with the gun. Like we don't focus on the gun. Uh, and I, I love that. This guy's getting rock hard from that shot. Um, <laughs> that's a good shot. That's a good, good scene. I agree. I like that scene. I like the, I like the, uh, the whole way that that escalates into the fist fight and everything too is really good. Um, also, but I feel like you skipped over something that right, then, I, like yes. it, I like even more, which right. is when Wit shows up in Mexico. Hmm. So oh, much yeah. suspense, dude. Like when he shows up, I was like, "Of course, Wit shows." I like knew Wit was knocking on the door right when it happened. But I was like, "This is great." Now he's got to like now the whole that whole scene where he's in his bedroom, and you could just see Mitchum's totally worried that she's gonna show up. 
but he's but trying not to so show cool. Exactly, he's so even keel, dude. He's he's just a badass, you know. <laughs> and I mean, speaking of smoking, like Robert Mitchum is twenty nine in this movie or thirty, I think. He looks fifty. I mean, you and, know what I mean. <laughs> and, just, yeah. and Douglas is only a year older and yeah. already looks like you know what like you think man. of of Kirk Douglas. Exactly, mm-hmm. he looks like Michael Douglas now. <laughs> anyway yeah man that all the suspense that, that's built up during those uh those couple of scenes with wit is in mexico are just like it was so good mm. i'm loving it at that point yeah like every time he like he sees a woman and it's like oh. yeah yeah and kirk douglas has you know this very like he doesn't really do or say anything that's all that threatening but he's mm. he's very threatening. Like he has a threatening aura about him. Yeah. Like he feels yeah. like he could, he's just gonna have you killed, you know. And it means Kirk nothing to him. Yeah, but he, but he's like it's not it's weird because it's like I don't know where it's coming from in the performance, but it's definitely mm. there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It it is. And there's I think at one point he's like, "What's gonna happen to the girl?" And he's like, "I won't touch her." That like sounds so menacing. Like, okay, he's not gonna touch her. That's yeah. That's like a technicality. Mm. Who's going to touch her? her. Yeah, exactly. Someone's going to do something. Right. Uh, but actually, it turns out he maybe wasn't going to do anything because uh, after after Kathy shoots, uh, after Jane Greer shoots the, that partner in that cabin, she kind of runs off, leaving like her like her bank book or something. Yeah. Uh, she's been saying that she didn't take Wit's money. Uh, we mm-hmm. find out, uh, and Jeff finds out definitively that she did take that money, and it's like a, and I never saw her again. Maybe a little con- little convenient that she just left the the bank book that only has yeah. the one deposit written in it, and it's exactly yeah. forty thousand dollars. I made I made note of one <laughs> exactly. one monetary transfer ever, um, and that gets to like another great scene because you know, it, done with flashback. Robert Mitchum he's at the Lake Tahoe house, you know, about to meet Wit, meets Wit, and again with no like fanfare know anything we're i think like 45 50 minutes into the movie uh and we think that this girl is just gone and maybe like he's going to be sent out to go find her again um she just like walks from the background like out of the back of the house and to just like stand behind mitchum as he's talking to wit and and mitchum is just like looks at her and then just like again plays it cool um and it's like uh it is such a unique and cool play for a twist. And I was very happy with the way she walks out and just, and then they just like sit down to have breakfast. Mm. Yeah. It's good stuff. I like the, uh, all the dialogue between Mitchum and her that occurs after that in the bedroom. And it's in particular, I wrote down one of the lines cause he says, he says, just get out. Will you? I have to sleep in this room. <laughs> <laughs> I have to sleep in this room. It's so good. He's just so mad at her. It's the best. But again, even Kill, he doesn't scream at her. He's yeah. just, just talking. He's Mitchum, you know. Yeah, it's great. There are really there are no there are no like big performances here. Like there's nobody overdoing anything. I don't mm. think. I'm trying to think if there is. Um, I feel like there's not. I feel like everybody's sort of playing it just right, right in the middle, right where they, right in the pocket where they're supposed to be. Yeah, like, that was one of the things that I really liked about uh, the Joe character. Like, the fact that, you know, like, he's not, like, overtly, like, he's never, like, menacing. He's never, like, 
you know, smarmy. He's always mm-hmm. just like, yeah, this is what's happening. And you know, <laughs> like, like he does, like he doesn't, you know, he doesn't like, you know, like when he's in the diner, he doesn't grab the grab the lady's arm and go like, listen, you're gonna tell me where Jeff is, or like, you you know, like. Oh yeah, totally. So 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 many of the tropes of you know henchmen that you see in uh, noir movies. Yeah, and he's a very polite henchman. Mm. He's a big fan. Yeah. Um, and, and you know I, I've kind of gone through what I would consider the the important stuff of the plot, like what happens the rest of the movie. Uh, like Wit sends Jeff and and Kathy into like this shenanigans thing that you know they're gonna frame Jeff for murder and Jeff figures that out pretty quickly and it's it gets convoluted and and kind of ridiculous but um yes I have no I have specific nitpicks but, yeah, about the and <laughs> that. I do too and like Jeff yeah Jeff learns pretty early on in this that like that Kathy's like trying to play him and he's still like does not try to exit himself from the situation in a way that I think is, is very effective. Uh, but we can get all that to that all, all later, I guess. Um, I'm kind of gushing about plot points and shots here. Uh, but I have not asked you guys how you felt about this movie, which is how we usually start. And so sorry about that. How did you guys feel about this movie? I liked it. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, I yeah I think I uh, loved it I think yeah I think I loved it I think it's oh. uh, pretty great um, uh, it felt like it's just like escalating like uh, my my Jacques Turner Turner uh, films you know like they're just getting better every everything I watched by him the next thing was better and now I can't possibly watch something that's going to be better than this so it's like <laughs> you know I mean maybe I could I don't know I mean um, I have a couple on my list ahead of it well. So. My rating is going to be higher than your rating, though, <laughs> uh, for this one. Um, I yeah, I just thought that again. The uh, like I said earlier, the writing, the dialogue is so good. It's uh, every every line is amazing, and uh, just even like the way they certain phrases that are used, like when he says um, he tells, uh, is it who's the guy who drives the cab for him? The Jack? Um, I don't remember his name. Um, he's, got, he's got several lines and he not shows up at a few scenes. Wait a minute. It's not Jack Fisher, is it? Or Jack Fisher's his partner, isn't it? Yeah, his partner. Fisher's the get, partner. Got murdered. Okay, I don't know. Anyways, the guy he, he's he's in the car talking with him and he says, "I think I'm." Mitchum says, "I think I'm in a frame." And then he makes some kind of like comment about. The, the picture of the frame and <laughs> it's just like yeah it's just such yeah. an interesting like just really cool um witty super fast dialogue and just being delivered masterfully by everyone involved and uh yeah i love it i thought it was an absolutely wonderful film and i mean i have um like i say i have nitpicks uh about it specifically i guess um Things like, just like, you know, the same kind of stuff you'd have for any sort of mystery or crime thriller. How does he know when he sees Eels dead to hide the body? 
Like, how does he know that's going to be something that he can use later on? You know what I mean? It feels like yeah. very arbitrary. And there's, mm. it, it definitely requires that you assume that he's like pieced together how they're going to do the frame. Exactly. Um, and maybe that's not realistic, or maybe it's like he's seen this kind of thing from a distance before. So it's like, mm. you know, and, and he mentions like mentions you know two eels like they brought me in here to get my fingerprints on everything right so maybe he's just counting on if there's if there's not a a body that uh there's not a murder but he ends up like using that as leverage later on too like he's like i'll tell you where eels is and all this and it's just like i don't know it just feels like sort of convenient that he would have been able to come up with all that and everything sort of falls into place exactly correctly Mm. absolutely absolutely um it is very convenient. Because <laughs> uh, again, he could have. There are things he could have done. He could have uh, not left the building without eels. Like he could have brought eels with him. Like there's just like he, he could just totally exited the situation. I also got. I mean, I'm not gonna lie. I got confused by the parts of it too that were happening. Like so, when Met, it is Meta who goes or Mita who goes up to, s- to see him in the apartment, right? And I was mm-hmm. like, and then she comes back down, and then he goes up. And he's dead, and I'm like, okay, Mita killed him, but Mita didn't kill him. Uh, Joe killed him. And I'm Joe like, killed him. Why did so, Mita well, go up then? I don't know what's going on. <laughs> I was just like, was, yeah. And then, so then, then when you start getting into like the the tax documents, and then the affidavit, and it's like, uh, what? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. The, and like, and when he 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 goes in and he hits the uh, hotel manager, and he takes this, he knocks him out, and he takes the stuff, you know. And then mm. later on, that guy smacks him, and he says. Uh, something like, you know, you got your lick back or whatever he says, you know? And I was just yeah, like, yeah. what is he, I was like, what is he talking about? And I had to piece it together. Oh, this guy is the hotel manager. We're supposed to remember that this guy is the hotel manager that we saw for four seconds earlier <laughs> before he got knocked out. Like, I don't know who yeah. that is, you know? Yeah, like, like some guy who, like, got knocked out and then when he came to, like, put his jacket on to go downstairs. Exactly. Yeah. Um, it's just, I don't know. But anyway, yeah. <laughs> um, that's, but again, those are like, those are like very, that's like very nitpicky stuff. I don't care. I mean, obviously a movie like this, when you write a movie that has like twists and turns like this, you know, you're obviously going to have like plot holes and problems where, you know, you can't think about it entirely logically. Um, and I think it's pretty tight for the most part, actually. So I love yeah. the, sorry, go ahead. Well, I was just, my, I think more of my nitpicks come, uh, when he goes back to, uh, to the small town because he's he has been successfully or they have successfully framed him for two murders now that they you know like they've dug up where uh fisher the partner is um and he goes back to town and like Anne's there and like the guy that we see in the first scene of the movie talking to the like to the the sandwich bartender person Mm -hmm. before joe Mm -hmm. does who apparently loves Anne, uh, and like, oh, he's right. another guy that we're supposed to remember from the yeah. That the was movie. really confusing too. That that guy shows up out of nowhere. I was like, who the fuck is this guy? Right. Are we well, supposed to know who this in, is? In the very <laughs> first scene, he's like is lamenting right. that Anne is with Jeff when you know mm. he should be with Anne. And yeah, so like we're, again, we're supposed to remember who this guy is, and and we're supposed to care about the relationship between Jeff and Anne, which I think is is difficult because. Anne is boring. Anne is Anne is safe. Anne is like pure or whatever. 
Um, and we'll and just, kill him, though. Right. And in, in comparison <laughs> to, to Kathy, who, uh, and Jane Greer is just, like, so striking. Uh, sure. And, she looks like Leah Remini. Okay, interesting. In her prime. Like, her face <laughs> looks just like Leah Remini, in my opinion. Yeah. And I just, I really just enjoy Jane Greer in this movie. Uh, I enjoy the way she's able to, you know, like, she co- so quickly goes from like smart to helpless just, you know, cause she's playing every angle she, she can to, mm. uh, to survive and also to get the money that she wants. Um, and, and important to note, Jane Greer holding her own with Mitchum and Douglas in these scenes, you know, well, act, sure. acting very well along with these men sure. uh, who are, uh, uh, just titans of acting, you know. I mean, they're movie stars, and I mean, you, sure. you, like you don't. Nobody. If I talk to my dad, he knows who Kirk Douglas and Robert Mitchum are. I guarantee you would know who Jane Greer is. I think mm. that Douglas, Douglas was not famous yet, right? I think yeah, this was like his third like movie okay. or like third like starring role or something. I don't mean the fame. Though. I just mean like well, he's yes. obviously putting in an amazing performance in this movie, and Jane Greer is also putting in an equally amazing performance. That's all. Yeah. Mm. And, you know, we, we talked about how young these people are. Jane Greer is like 22 when she filmed this. Wow. Uh, even more insane because... Because yeah, you know. we're, we're just old. We're old yeah. and, as you said, we're dying. <laughs> well, yeah, we will, be, <laughs> we will be dead soon, for sure. Um, anyway, uh, yeah, the cinematography is beautiful. There's a, uh, you, you're talking about the shot with the um, shadow and everything, and the shot that got me was uh, when Mitchum confronts Kathy in the office and they, and then Kathy convinces him to like turn on wit with her, you know, and like leave and everything. And they're, they're standing in like a doorway and his face is like outlined by light. I don't know if you remember this, like his, like his silhouette is like lit just on the outline though. It's, it was just like, it was, it just looked so amazing to me. I was like, I, this shot is killing me. It was so good. Beautiful lighting. Yeah. These guys had lights. They really Hell did. Yeah. Hell yeah, they <laughs> did. Do you guys ever think about the fact that this movie was made in 1947, and part of it takes place in San Francisco, and there's a shot of San Francisco with the Golden Gate Bridge in the background, and the Golden Gate Bridge was only 10 years old at the time. You think, about, you think about like how much of a boost that is for, for San Francisco as a filming location, that bridge. Yeah. You know, like people want to film there now because they can shoot that bridge in the background, you know? Yeah. Or just looking, you know? Yeah. That is ridiculous. What did you guys think about a couple things? You know, the way um, the way Joe gets taken out by the kid, the gas station (laughs) attendant. Yeah. Fishing line. I love it. I that love the deaf kid. I love that there's a deaf kid. Amazing. Yeah, like, I love that they that they use sign language too, and yeah. that importantly, Robert Mitchum seems to understand the sign language, but will not use it himself. He just watches, uh, and reads it, and he. Yeah. I like I like the full circle nature of uh, the kid taking out Joe, and the first scene of the movie is Joe throwing a cigarette at the kid mm-hmm. it's like to get his attention. This Perfect. A dick, dick move. His least mm-hmm. polite moment, uh, besides the moment uh, where he's going to shoot Jeff, I guess. That's not very polite. Yeah. Um, and then I love that Joe says, uh, or Jeff says that Joe got careless and uh, fell in the river. 
Yeah, yeah. Just stick a suicide note in his pocket and you're done. Yeah, uh, it was great. It was it's it's uh, improbable but amazing. <laughs> yes, because uh, didn't describe it. Um, the kid is just there fishing. Uh, Jeff, I don't, I don't. Jeff is like getting out of his tent because he's hiding out. I don't know right. how Joe found him, uh, but Joe followed the kid. Right. That was the whole and point. So, they got. They told the kid the they kid, had a message for uh, why the first. Why did the kid just go fishing right by whatever? That's what I don't get. <laughs> is that they they the the plan was Kathy says we're gonna tell this kid that we have a message for Jeff, and then you'll follow him to Jeff's location. But he doesn't go tell Jeff the message. He goes he immediately fishing. starts fishing right next to Jeff. Yeah. Maybe because Jeff's still asleep in the tent. I don't know. I don't know what's going on. It, was well, weird. it took me a minute yeah, to understand I what's mean, happening. Joe's on, you know, Joe's like 15, 20 feet up. Maybe, I, I, I don't think it looks higher than that. Uh, with his gun, like about to snipe Jeff, and J- the kid just does a little hook. Yeah. Pulls him, grabs him by the collar with a fishing hook, pulls him over yeah. uh, with a fall that might not have even killed. You know, like that's that's not an automatic death. It couldn't have been that high up because he, again, he uses a fishing rod. Right. So, like, mm. how how long can you cast upward? I don't know. It's but, not right. like a, it's not like a modern fly fishing line. You know, it's not it's not that long. Right. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> it doesn't matter. It's amazing. It's uh, it's just a great moment. Mm. And uh, I love the way that they portray violence in this movie so especially i mean like that moment the the killing earlier of uh jack i love the ending with the uh the gunshots in the windows is amazing all that stuff rocks Mm. and so the ending you know jeff is told and he he loves her blah 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 and then uh still like ends up getting roped into to this situation with with kathy where they're gonna go off and again jeff knows definitively that kathy like does not love him like kathy is not interested in actually being with jeff he knows this he Mm. has known it for a while Mm. i i believe he's known this for a while and but decides like he basically decides to commit suicide like uh does he though it seems like we are to infer that he like tipped off law enforcement oh, when, I when, when he when he, when they see it Kathy freaks out and is going to like get out the gun and like wants to take over like she calls I can't I didn't write down what she says she calls him a name like she knows that he did this um really so i definitely saw this as like he he has set up this ending to basically drive into gunfire, stopping mm. Kathy, and give us the Hayes Code ending that we're required to have. See, that's not at all how I read that. Mm. I read it totally differently. <laughs> um, and I will explain that. I'm sorry, I'm trying to get yeah. the movie up now because I want to watch that scene again <laughs> and see what see what she calls him. But um, no, I totally, I totally saw it as uh. He obviously doesn't want to go with her. He like I agree with you. He knows this is no good. I can't trust this woman. Mm-hmm. Uh, she's just gonna fuck me over again. And I'm thinking the whole time, okay, this guy's been like two steps ahead of everybody the whole movie though. He's got some way out of this, and he's gonna end up screwing her over, and uh, he'll get away. 
and I'm actually kind of glad it didn't happen that way because that seems kind of cliche and corny. But he, yeah. um, but so yeah, when that like the the whole thing, I'm like uh, at the end when when she asks, I forget who Anne asks, did was she really going to go away with her? Was she really she asked the kid. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah, the deaf kid. And then the deaf kid's like, yeah. Which I don't even know how you knew that, but uh, I think well, I think that was sort of like a, he knew that he that Jeff would want Anne to like move on and forget him. Oh, I see. Mm. I, but I'm I'm reading a lot more into that than is there. Yeah, no, I, I mean that might be fair. I don't know. Um, but anyway, uh, when she was, when he's asking her, I was like, I see. I think that's I thought that that's like that's Turner asking us the question, being like, did did he? is was he going to go with her or not and it's sort of ambiguous it's like was he actually planning to uh go away with her and love her or try to make a life with her or was he trying was he going to fuck her over somehow uh and they just got caught by the police before he could i don't know though where where do you stand kevin i mean like i think you know the phone call that he makes right when they're about to leave, it's like, I think he's definitely was setting it up. I don't know that he necessarily knew that he was going to die, but like, he probably figured, you know, like, well, maybe she'll, maybe she'll stop and, you know, then they'll arrest her. But I mean, yeah, it is kind of like at, yeah, I, I think Jr. is probably more like, because this dude is like kind of sort of, immoral not really but you know especially since he's driving away with a murderer um yeah it's like you know these these two people like can't you know they can't make it out alive they have to face justice um and yeah i was like i i think it's i could be wrong but i think this is uh a unique like like usually like the femme fatale is like someone who's like doing stuff behind the scenes and like maybe they have like one scene with a gun that they're pointing at somebody but then it gets taken away from them before they use it but like this woman shoots we know that she shoots at least three times and she kills two people and well yeah three people because because she um she kills jeff what and does she does she shoot wit? She shot wit, stole his money. Well, I, I mean, when, point, when, when she kills, when she kills wit, we don't know how he kills us. I don't. Well, yeah, she might. Yeah, she, she might not have shot him, but she definitely killed him. So, and she killed uh, Jeff's partner in the cabin. So, yeah. So, like this, this woman is like straight up, just like, and you know, like. I think like you get a li- you get a little like when they're in Acapulco, you know, like you know, oh, I want to, you know, and then later when she wants she wants to go back to Mexico, she wants to live the innocent life again, and it's like, you know, not the usual like, oh, I was thrust into this life without you know wanting to, and this, that, and the other, but like, yeah, like she- <laughs> this woman's just a killer, like cold blooded killer. Oh, uh, you guys are both right. I hate that you're uh, about this. He does make a call, and I totally forgot that he made that call. And she says, "You dirty double-crossing rat," or something like that. Mm. And then she pulls out a gun and gut shots him. Yeah, yeah, amazing. 
amazing scene anyway. And it's honestly, it gives like a different, totally different uh, gravity to his performance because he's just driving and he like knows he's driving to his death, sort of. Mm. You can imagine. Anyway, amazing. Great film. I have uh, two more notes real quick. Yeah. Uh, One is uh, that opening shot of... I want to say it's Mitchum driving into, or maybe it's Joe driving into town. Joe's yeah. driving in. Yeah. It's a total like Tarantino shot from uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Like mm. the, it's like the exact same shot. I'm sure that's. Uh, can I say just since ahead. you're right, since you're right there, uh, yeah. that ham on rye that that chatty uh, restaurant yes. play makes looks yes. like absolute dog shit. Yes, it does. It's literally one thin slice of ham. On yep on rye bread with fucking mayonnaise and then he literally eats like one and a half bites of it and then Cause, on the plate and leaves. yeah because it's yeah. It, you know i understand it only costs like five cents but man that's a that's a just awful looking sandwich yeah. i had uh one more note one not on the note uh one more line written down where uh wit tells him that he uh likes him Mitchum, mm-hmm. and then Mitchum says, "You like me because you could use me. You could use me because I'm smart. I'm not smart anymore. I run a gas station." Yeah, <laughs> great line. Uh, I have one more line written down. Oh, uh, good. That was uh, in Mexico in the flashback. Um, Kathy tells him where where she hangs out, and uh, he waits there a couple nights. And when he sees her, she's like. He's like, I've, I've just been here w- waiting for you. And she's like, oh, I haven't been lonely. Uh, <laughs> and I love the way that she delivers that. I also love <laughs> that, um, like, he's he's founder, and he's like, I'm going to tell Wit. But, aw, shucks, the telegraph office closed early. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, well. All right. That's all, right, all I got. Uh, ratings? Mm-hmm. Uh, I'll start. Um, this went up for me as a five. Hey, went up a whole star. Half was it a? I thought I was. I had a four. It was, you had it as a four, bud. All right. Well, it's a five. I remember you had Nightfall as a four and a half, and that means you liked it more than Out of the Pass. This is a. Uh, this is like key, just essential film noir for me. This is like this is some iconic shit. Yeah, I'm a five also. I think it's a masterpiece. It's oh. great. Uh, four. You son of a bitch. <laughs> all, hey, we're all up there. All positive. No, yeah. no, it's good. It's good. It's good. Um, all right, so uh, we're going to do Letterbox Roulette, right? With uh, Box Office Game? Oh, yeah. Right. Chair right. hasn't played Box Office Game yet. No, I, I played it earlier in the show. Oh, good. Oh, okay. okay. I definitely lost, if that helps you guys. Um, so, last time we did this, where I played earlier in the show, uh, yeah. I ended up, it was like, it had switched over. I did a different day than you guys did. Uh-oh. So, what's the date oh, of you the so did. box office game? November 91. <laughs> I did really well, because it was July 15, 2016. Oh, fuck. I knew all the Well, so, well, uh, let right. me, uh, this could be, this could be, this could be an automatic loss for me. No, I did. I did the wrong. You told me to play the game, and I didn't that's, play it. No, yeah. that's a. That's. I don't want to win that way. I want to win by beating your ass. Okay. You probably will. This was a pretty easy day. Okay, like, why can't they switch that. at midnight? Like Wordle. 
You know? Yeah, it is really strange how they uh, how they work. Okay, got one. Oh boy, I don't know. This is gonna be really fun for the uh, listeners. Yeah, totally. Um, so this movie came out in nineteen. I'm updating my 1947 list. Uh, yeah. Moving, I'm moving out of the past up to uh to number two. Because another one of the greatest film noir movies of all time came out in 1947, Daisy Kenyon. That's also the year of Odd Man Out, another movie that I have chosen as a review on this uh, on this uh, on this podcast. What movie? Odd Man Out. Oh yeah. I thought you were talking about Daisy Kenyon. I was like, you never chosen. No, that. no. Highly recommend though. Uh, we don't. I feel like we haven't done many noir, which is one of the reasons I want to do this, but. We don't need to jump right back into noir. Um, but it's up to Kevin, right? Uh, yeah. <laughs> Who knows uh, what he'll choose mm. after we figure out the letterbox roulette situation. Ugh. <laughs> Kevin, are you done? No, I... God. What are you giving up? I'm I'm very willing to give up at this point. <laughs> I Ugh. so know what these this is too. This is like we I like I know exactly what this movie is. I just don't know the name of it. Ugh. Oh, here it is. I got it. <laughs> okay, I'm going to share my uh score with you guys. JR, did you kick my ass? Uh, I'm I'm coming. I have not received your text yet. It's coming. Mm. I did. I just smoked smoked you completely. Oh my god. <laughs> I I have I I know nothing. I okay. Well, then we lost. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I, I just just consider just consider me to have lost. Guess what happened. Dude, what oh, do you know these without the actors? No, like when I saw the tagline with Louis C.K., I knew exactly what that I one did was. not know. I was like, I was like, Louis C.K. starred in the movie at some point. I was like, I don't know what the fuck that is. Yeah, and like, and and Kevin Hart, like the f- yeah, I have no clue what that is. Yeah, um, uh, sorry, I'm trying to find the movie that we're gonna have to watch. Hmm. The number is. 1020 with the movie is Cairo Station, Kevin. Cairo Station. Cairo Station. You said it is 77 minutes long, so I am in. Nice. Uh, Yeah, it's a, uh, what is it? Egyptian or something? I mean, is it, yes. film? is it an Egyptian film, though? I mean, yeah. Okay. No, it's obviously set in Egypt. Mm. Just never heard of this director. All right, cool. Well, we're going to watch Cairo Station as our uh, Letterboxd Roulette uh, 
I hate to call it a punishment, but uh, you know what it is. We homework. Watch, we're gonna watch homework. Yeah. 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 Uh, Kevin, what's your pick, bud? Next next time, episode one forty five, the big one four five. Kevin, <laughs> lay it on us. All right. So we are gonna do something in a very different vein. We are gonna watch Wes Craven's The Serpent and the Rainbow. Oh. Starring Bill Pullman and I think some other people. Uh, Kathy Tyson, Paul Winfield. Yes. Um, Paul Guilfoyle. That seems to be it. Uh, yeah. Okay. I almost watched this um, last year when they did an episode about it on uh, Cursed Film Season 2. Hmm. But did not get around to it for whatever reason. Watch the episode. The episode was pretty good. Okay. Sweet. Um, yeah, Looks tight. So. Yeah. <laughs> Looks tight. I, uh, yeah. Got a oh, Michael like Goff is in it. Yeah. Okay. Are you guys uh? Are you guys Craven heads? No. Yeah. I mean, Sadly not. I mean, I, I thought Scream was decent. Um, I, I've i seen Nightmare on Elm Street, but I don't remember a whole lot about it. Um, I've only seen Nightmare on Elm Street, uh, the fourth, or whatever, the one in 94, the new Nightmare. It's the only one I've ever seen. Oh, okay. And I was like nine years old when I watched it, so... I like <laughs> the first Scream. I like Scream 4. Uh... I don't think I've seen that much stuff by him, actually. Not, yeah. Oh, I'm not looking. Yeah, haven't seen Last House on the Left. Haven't seen that. Haven't seen Red Eye. Haven't seen Hills Have Eyes. Mm. I mean, I feel like... And he's got all these... Like, outside of his horror franchises, I haven't seen a ton. And I, I feel like I've never even heard of The Serpent and the Rainbow. So, sounds great. Cool. Yeah. Um, all right, so next time we'll be watching Serpent in the Rainbow. Uh, until then, visit our website, filmiacpodcast.com, and, uh, you know, write to us if you want, filmiacpodcast at gmail.com. And until then, thanks for listening. Bye-bye. Because you could use me. You could use me because I was smart. I'm not smart anymore. I run a gas station.